Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. You're better than that. On Talk Sport, the home of boxing. On TalkSport, it is our end-of-year review. I'm Adam Cattle, alongside me, Nick Pete. How are you? Good, mate, yeah. Good. What a year. What, What a year, a indeed. Year. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Gareth Davis a little bit later on because he's decided to dump us and go to Hawaii for Christmas. Unbelievable. Uh, but we'll get on the phone, we'll have a little bit of a chinwag with him, and we'll get his review as well a little later on in the show. We'll also be going through uh, the year month by month, having a quick look. Uh, towards our highlights, highlighting some of those sensational knockouts that we've seen, some brilliant finishes in the world of mixed martial arts, some fights of the year, and then by the end of the show, we'll be telling you who we think deserves the mantle of fighter of the year. But we'll start with just a little bit of a seasonal overview, because if you remember, Nick, this time last year, we just had uh, Dillian White knocking out Derek Chisora. We just had Josh Warrington's fantastic performance against Carl Frampton. Correct. I'd just come back from LA where Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury give us an absolute barnstormer. And if you remember, in those, in those little Christmas weeks as we were tucking into our turkey and spuds, we were thinking to ourselves, 2019 is going to be amazing. We're going to be super fight galore. We're going to be jet-setting all over the world, watching the best fight the best. Well, we did jet-set all over the world, yeah, but we didn't necessarily get the best fight than, fighting the best. And at this moment in time, I feel very similar to how I felt 12 months ago. A lot of anticipation without any realisation as of yet. Yeah, especially in the world of boxing where the big driver, of course, the needle mover, let's be honest, is the heavyweight division. Because 12 months ago, we sat in this very studio and we were talking about the fact that Wilder versus Fury 2 would be huge and then AJ would come into the picture and would Usyk make us, you know, would Usyk transition into the heavyweight division and become a threat straight away and, you know, we were trying to put all the permutations together and we were fantasising saying by 2020 we could have a unified heavyweight champion of the world Ooh. and it kind of feels a little bit like Groundhog Day because yeah. we're in exactly the same position having exact same conversations about the exact same fighters Yeah, and okay it's been a roller coaster, especially if you're an Anthony Joshua fan uh, and in the world of Tyson Fury okay he may not have done the boxing 
Uh, he may not have had the boxing wins that he did last year, but he's certainly a much bigger star in terms of mainstream sports or mainstream life, certainly over the other side of the Atlantic. So we're kind of on the cusp once again of a huge 12 months for the heavyweight division. Let's just hope yeah. this year, actually, 2020, it actually plans out. I didn't anticipate it to be so, but I would say, and people will think we're slightly biased because we do cover a lot of mixed martial arts, I actually think MMA's been better over the last 12 months than boxing. Yeah, obviously, but listen, we're going to churn through the 12, the, you know, the 12 months that was uh, coming up, but I agree with you that the seminal moments for me the breakout moments, yeah. the absolutely go-crazy moments seem to belong to the UFC. And I think that was reflected also in what has been a monumental year in terms of we had Canelo Alvarez, the biggest pay-per-view star in boxing, mm. sitting in his dressing room at one point this year, waiting until a UFC main event finished because they had it on the screens inside the MGM Grand Arena yeah. in Las Vegas. And he's supposed to be the biggest star in boxing. And they made him wait for the UFC. And it wasn't even a UFC world title fight. It was the BMF belt. A made-up belt. A made-up belt. And you know what we think about made-up belts? Exactly. Boxing is absolutely full of them. This is the year, by the way, of the franchise champion, ladies oh. and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be talking about all the different little nuances uh, that have happened over the last 12 months. BMF belts, Can we please do the biggest belts. loser? The person, you know, who's really made us suffer this year because I'm not going to give it to a fighter because every fighter's a winner in my eyes. You want to start now dishing out awards? I want to dish out the award for the guy who's well, let us down the well, most right. in the world of fight sports well, this as, year. As we're bringing people this show, uh, over the last 7 to 14 days, uh, however you're consuming this, whether you're consuming this on podcast or whether you're consuming this live, people will have seen Julio Chavez Jr., right? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And they will have seen the way that he has conducted himself over the last couple of months. Is there a bigger loser in boxing than him? Yes. Go on then. Absolutely. And you touched on it then, and that's what put it in my brain. As soon as you said those words that make the skin crawl of every boxing fan on the planet franchise yeah. champion mm -hmm. then everybody knows that we're going after Solomon the president of the WBC who this year <laughs> dragged his own organization the WBC the, the green and gold belt what was once the bastion professional boxing yes. the pinnacle of the sport yes he dragged it through the mud this year by That's inventing right. a franchise belt which That's is it. explain what a franchise belt is please can I I don't oh. even know what one is yeah. uh, a franchise champion is basically a champion now that is forever a champion with the WBC that will never have to face a mandatory can pick and choose their opponents and no matter where they go in weight categories they'll always hold their belt now this all started with Canelo Alvarez so Canelo is the middleweight franchise champion. Um, Mr. Lomachenko has become uh, a franchise champion uh, this year, even though he still competes at lightweight. Canelo flitters between the weights. So the whole point of the, I thought, of the franchise champion originally was to try and tie Canelo into the WBC, even though he was competing in other sanctioning bodies in other weight categories. The WBC wanted him, and the reason for this is money. Yep. Because every time he fights... He's getting paid 30-odd million quid, and they get 3% of that. That's how, that's how sanctioning bodies work, all right? They're not rewarding him because they like him. They're rewarding him because he gets them paid. That's what's happening. So he's flittering between the weights. So they think to themselves, well, how do we get a piece of that pie? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make him a franchise champion. So that's what they've done there. Now, with the Lomachenko thing, he's still a lightweight. He's still active in the lightweight division, but they made him a franchise champion and therefore made a belt vacant. So therefore, our very own Luke Campbell can end up fighting for it, which didn't happen originally because Devin Haney was given 
uh, a championship belt. He's now a champion in recess. It gets awfully confusing, this. I thought only the WBA uh, were doing this over recent times, but the WBC have top trumped them. And I think that's where we should start the show, actually. Dishing yeah. out our first award. I can't swear on the radio, sadly. So what are we going to call him? Numpty? Is that what we're going to call him? Numpty of the year? The biggest villain yeah. in fight sports. There'll be people shouting at the radio wanting to use more stronger language than that. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go Numpty of the year. Maurizio Suleiman, you've absolutely outdone yourself this year. Chavez Jr., not only did he have his fight moved from state to state because he refused to have a drug test. Then he missed weight for the same fight. Then he yep. turned up with the worst barnet I've ever seen in my entire life. And then he quit after five rounds. I mean, look at that. Four top trumps in one fight, but Suleiman's done him. Yep. You've only finished second, Chavez. You tried to go for it at the back end of the year to get numpty of the year. <laughs> you can't beat the man that introduced us to the franchise champion. It says everything that we've put the WBC president above the likes of Chavez Jr., above Jarrell Miller, above... TJ Dillashaw from UFC, all mm. these guys who have been blatantly cheating using PEDs and have been suspended from the sport, and yet Solomon tops the absolute lot with his own greed and his own actions. Mm. And it's it's the last thing boxing needs, isn't it? WBC used to be the ones that went right. We've got one belt, and we've got the W, we've got the European, and we've got the WBC, and that is it. And they they were the benchmark. And this year, they've proven to be the biggest villains of them all. Mm. Absolute numpty. I'm sure that his name's going to come up a couple of times throughout the course of this 12-month review. Have we got no sound effects where we could go like a... Like a, a trumpet or is, there, is it not that side? This isn't show? H&J, mate. This is, this is fight night. <laughs> um, I know his name's going to be mentioned a couple of times throughout the 12-month review for his fantastic exploits in the ring. But Noye Inoue, just on the WBC, we just want to give you a bit of a thumbs up. All right? Because, it, mm-hmm. because if you remember, when he um, won the World Boxing Super Series, they brought all the belts out for him, didn't they? They brought out his new championship belts. They brought out the Muhammad Ali trophy. They brought his brand spanking new ring, ring magazine belt. They also brought out a WBC silver belt, and he told them to jog on. He said, nah, I don't want that because that's not a real belt. Move away. I'm going to carry on with these real world championships. More of that, please. Yes. If somebody's coming up to you with a WBC silver belt or a franchise belt or, or even a diamond a, belt, a pearl belt at or one a point, pearl belt. because Amir Khan was going to fight for a pearl belt in the Middle East, wasn't he? My if goodness. they're coming up with these dodgy belts for you, say no thanks. Yeah, just skip it. I'm all right. I'm just here for the big boys' belt. So there you go. Maybe that's our hopes and dreams and ambitions uh, for 2020. Over the next 12 months, more fighters standing up against fake belts. You in for that? Absolutely. Dealers right in. Um, now, Coming up over the next hour or so, we are going to go through the year month by month, just reminding you of all the crazy things that have happened in our wonderful sports of fight. Um, we will speak to Gareth A. Davis, who's out in Hawaii, who's going to give us a little bit of a review of the year as well from his own point of view. And then in the final hour of the show, myself and Nick are going to go through fights of the year, fighters of the year, maybe a few mad predictions for 2020, because I don't like to blow me on trumpet, guys. I don't like to, I don't, I don't you know... I'm 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 an understated presenter. I just like to course through the show, joining the dots and bringing you fight sports on a week-by-week week basis. But if you remember, 12 months ago, I made three crazy predictions. Three predictions at that particular point. I said that Billy Joe Saunders would win a world title this year, even though he was out in the, out in the cold. Out in the cold. I said he'd win a world title. Did he win a world title, Nick? He did. I said that Josh Taylor would be the unified super lightweight champion of the world, even though he wasn't world champion at the time. Did that happen, Nick? He won the World Boxing Super Series, that's yes. Right, that's right, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. And I also said 12 months ago... This was the big one. ...that a certain Mr. Anthony Joshua, at some point in 2019, would not be world champion. 
Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> there you go. So whatever I say at the back end of this show, get your money out, get down to the bookies. Oh, oh sorry, are we skipping over your British prospect of the year from 2019? What, when he got chinned after, after, in his first fight in uh, 2019? Twice. Chinned twice this year. Listen, he? Craig Glover let me down, <laughs> right? But I also said at the start of the year that my uh, one to watch would be Tia Fimo Lopez who, who yeah. was uh, on our show recently after being crowned the IBF lightweight champion listen man I've made five predictions there and four of them have danced in absolutely danced in alright if you put them on as an accumulator it's your own fault okay put them on individually you'd have made, a, you'd made yourself a few quid anyway stick around uh, this is our end of year review for fight night and we're going to get stuck into January and February next round one fight Saint John! I'm gonna now call it a day. You know, I've succeeded. I've, I've everything's ticked off the bucket list. Scenes of jubilation. His father hugging him, carrying him across the ring, and now he has the belt. The biggest win by a mile of Chris Eubank Jr.'s career. That was as devastating a knockout as you will see. Lopez said he was going to hurt him. He hurt him badly. Dillashaw a little bit desperate here. Oh, he got a big ride from Cejudo. This is the end of year review for Fight Night here on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. Um, we're taking a look back at the last 12 months of sp- fight sports. We're chucking in boxing and MMA into one big melting pot and then just picking out some of our highlights of the year. And by the back end of the year, we'll tell you uh, who our fighter, fights and knockouts of the year have been. Can you remember as far back as January, mate? Sure can. Right. Um, I'll just give people a, a little bit of a highlight, just to jog, just to jog memories, because a lot's happened in the last twelve months. Uh, so, if you remember, um, January, February, start of the year, this was this, this was the time where they were announcing Anthony Joshua against Jarrell Miller. Now, if you remember, at the back end of last year, Anthony had already announced that he was going to be fighting at Wembley. Yeah, we're all getting dead excited about that. Wembley in April. Who was going to be the opponent? Loads of people in the mix, the likes of the Dillian Whites of this world. Uh, but then they decided that it wasn't going to be Wembley. We're off to New York. AJ versus uh, Jarrell Miller was announced. George Groves also retired uh, in January, February. Eubanks Jr. beat DeGale in the, in February, if you remember that. Fantastic win for him. Uh, my boy Tiafimo Lopez gave us a knockout of the year contender against Magdalena. Braun, do you remember Broner? Anybody yeah. remember Adrian Broner? Billion dollar Broner. His, uh, his only appearance of the year came against Pacquiao in these months. Good. And in the UFC, Sujudo smashed Dillashaw to pieces and Israel Adesanya, uh, who could be in the conversation for fighter of the year at the end of this uh, end of this show, put on a little bit of a clinic against the legend that is Anderson Silva. Any other standout moments for you during these months? Um, over in the UFC, I like the fact that we got in February, wasn't that Adesanya? It was a big moment, wasn't it? That was the standout moment for me. That's the one that really kicked against the, the year it, off. Against uh, Silva? Yeah, just the Anderson Silva moment because it felt like a real transition moment where, you you know, the passing of the torch from, from one great... Um, former champion that basically changed the game in that sport to basically the, the the next brightest star in the whole of the UFC and it kicked off an amazing year. That obviously would lead to Adesanya ending the year as mm. champion of the world as well. Now, obviously, we know what happened with AJ th- throughout the last 12 months, but talk to me about your thoughts at the time of announcing Jarrell Miller because we were all geared up for another 90,000 seater showdown at Wembley in April. And off the back of what we saw with Wilder Fury, we were all excited. 
We were all thinking that at some point we were going to get these major showdowns in the heavyweight division. And AJ being the belt holder at that time would most certainly be in that mix. Yeah. So when Jarrell Miller's the name that comes out, and it's New York City. Is there a little bit of disappointment? Um, there wasn't at the time because I remember thinking, okay, this makes absolute sense. You know, Miller's a big lump, uh, but he's got a good record. The New York thing had to happen. AJ had to announce himself to the American audience and any and to break into this fury, wilder kind of setup. We were still convinced that AJ was the biggest star in in world boxing, certainly heavyweight boxing. Um, you know, wilder couldn't sell, couldn't, could walk down the street in New York and nobody knew who he was and it's about AJ getting over there. AJ's the only one doing 90,000 seats and let's do Madison Square Garden, announce him to the world and then we can basically grease the wheels towards yeah. a, a wilder or a fury showdown in America and we all kind of agreed, listen, we know he's the biggest star in British boxing, we know he can do 90,000 twice a year in Cardiff or in London. But to win the big books and to define his legacy, he's got to go to America and he's got to announce himself to the American audience. So at the time, I was in. Let's mm. go. And then obviously, Jarrell Miller. Decided to go to Boots. Decided <laughs> to enjoy himself a little Don't bit Don't forget much, as well, last January, February, when he announced the fight, Jarrell Miller was pointing fingers at Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Talking about PDs in Anthony Joshua's system. Mm. People in glass houses. Mm. Well, it didn't materialise. And a little bit later on in the year, obviously, that ended up falling through because of the amount of drugs uh, that uh, Jarrell Miller uh, was waxing. He was enjoying himself a little bit. Um, now, at the start of the year, I did point out that Tiafimo Lopez would have a wonderful year. And I'll tell you something, he didn't half step up to the plate at the back end of January, early February, because he fought Magdalano. And off oh. the back of a fantastic knockout that he had at the, at the back end of last year, Right, he had a fantastic one punch knockout in December of last year. He came back in February, quick turnaround for a 22 year old lad, and he put in a stellar performance. And obviously, we all know what happened over the 12 month period, where he finishes as as world champion. But when you put in performances like that as a 22 year old kid, I mean, we see it all the time, don't we, with these young guys coming through. I think we've spoken about Michael Conlon a couple of times this year, yeah. where there's not been that moment, where there's not no. been that viral moment. We're living in a time of short attention spans. Of course. This is why Deontay Wilder does extremely well, in my opinion, on social media, because he gives you a moment. He gives you that one punch knockout moment. And Tiafimo Lopez, whether it's a celebration, whether he's fight flipping off the ropes or whatever it may be, or whether it's delivering a double left hook knockout like he did against Magdalano at the start of this year, that's the that's they they're living on those types of platforms is how you make a modern day superstar. Of course, and you know what? That was the the Magdalano finish, as you say, double left hook, absolutely brilliant. But that was one of three knockouts of the knockouts that Tio gave us in 2019, mm. and which stepped him off the page. You know, we had four fights in 2019. Three of them were knockouts. One of them was winning the world title. The year couldn't have gone any better for Tiafimo Lopez. And, you know, we were over in New York at one stage. We were covering his fight and he he, he gets it. He, he had the media eaten out of his hand, the British yeah. media. You know, we went over for uh, Amir Khan versus Terence Crawford. But all we were talking about all week was Tiafimo Lopez. And then he delivered on that fight night as well. So Talk to me about regularity of him as well. Because, like I said, he fought, I think... He, four times. It, he fought back, four times. Well, he, he came he, back in the November, December last year. 
delivers a big knockout. He fights at the start of the year. He was back out in April. Yeah. He then had his eliminator, and then he had his world title fight. You know what I mean? So, for a 22-year-old boy to be out four times, like he's never out of camp. Basically, yeah. he's always in the gym doing his thing, and um, obviously, it's paid off for him. Absolutely. And now he enters 2020 as the biggest rival to Vasily Lomachenko's crown as the number one lightweight on the planet, and that fight looks like it's going to happen in the first part of 2020. So. It suits him to be busy, clearly. You know, he's a young lad, no distractions. You know, he's married now, but even though he's still a baby, but you can tell his focus is 100% on boxing. His dad's part of the corner team and everything else. And I th- I'm expecting big things from once again in 2020. I think, don't get me wrong, Vasily Lomachenko is the best boxer on the planet. So it's going to be a big ask for him. But at 22, he's the guy that's come through. And from day one, 12 months ago, when he started the year, his he was talking about, taking on Lomachenko then. And he's ended the year in pole position to actually take him on. There's few fighters, I'll be honest, and we'll come to this towards the end of the show, but there's there's not many fighters th- this year that stand next to him in terms of four fights of the year, four wins, three knockouts, and ended it as world champion. Phenomenal. Mm. Um, big breakout a uh, couple of months this for Eubank Jr. as well. Off the back of uh, a couple of big fights that he's been involved in in his career, the likes of a Billy Joe Saunders and a George Gross, where he's come short, he takes on a former world champion, two-time world champion in James DeGale, and he put on a great performance. It, it was brilliant, you know, and, and going into that fight, you know, timing's everything in, in sports, and I think the timing for Eubank Jr. to take on DeGale, I think if this fight happens three years earlier, you know, Eubank Jr.'s punching that fresh air, and, and, and James DeGale's absolutely schooling him just because of his background, his Olympic pedigree, uh, and where he was in his career. But timing is everything. And Eubank Jr. got James DeGale at exactly the right time to build momentum. And what a year Eubank Jr.'s had as well. Absolutely mm. phenomenal because... He's now he, on the verge of getting a Canelo fight as the interim champion. Exactly. And he deserves it because he's just been to fight in a, in New York on an undercard of a world title fight. He was fighting a real stellar former world champion that no one gave him much hope for. And we were all asking, why take that fight? Why not fight here in the UK? Sell out Manchester Arena, do the good morning television, go right through the card of the English fighters coming through and make a fortune. But instead, Eubank Jr. has proven to us all that actually he's got ambitions to be a genuine world champion. He wants to face the best in the world. He's gone back to middleweight which is his proper weight division I think he's had a great year just a little note as well on the retirement of George Groves that moment at Bramall Lane it was on the undercard of obviously Brooke and Spence Jr which people remember when he became world champion and he became a different guy like the weight of the world uh, had been lifted off his shoulders and finally realising that dream and rightfully so realising that dream because what a fighter he was when when his shoulder was in place one of the best jabs I've ever seen in the world of boxing yeah I totally agree and I think he was you know in my opinion he was he was kind of robbed of his moment in the first Carl Frotch fight and then obviously the second fight was absolutely huge how many people were at that? I have no idea. No, can we check Carl Flotcher's Instagram? I'm sure it's in, it's in his Instagram story. I'm sure if we ring him now, he'll happily tell us exactly how many people were in there. But you started to feel like George Groves could have been an early man yeah. of boxing, and that would have been unfair given the talent yeah. that he had. So it, it was great to see him finally lift that belt to have that moment. But obviously, time waits for no man. Of and course. Unfortunately, is not long after winning the world title, his body broke down and. You know, we've seen him completely dismantled by Callum Smith in 2018. So it was no surprise to see him retire at the start of this year. And, he, you know, he retired happy. And he retired as George Groves, not the person, the character, the, the, the that one person that no one could connect with that he was throughout his career. As you say, after he became world champion, 
he finally let us in. He let us know he let us get to know the real George Groves, and and I truly believe that's why he's getting. He does a lot of TV work and stuff now because actually, George is a really nice guy, and he's yeah. knowledgeable about boxing as well. Uh, if you subscribe to uh, the Fight Night podcast, have a little bit of a sift back to February because I had a sit down with George Groves with a lovely review of the of his career. Uh, and as Nick said there, he led us all in and told some wonderful stories. Uh, just a quick one on the UFC. I know that you, Nick mentioned Adesanya versus Silva, a real coming-of-age moment for Israel Adesanya, taking on a legend that is uh, Anderson Silva. But also, uh, the champ-champ narrative continued in this particular month because uh, Nick's favourite fighter in Henry Cejudo uh, secured himself a, a second belt at a second weight class, beating TJ Dillashaw, who also went on to fail drug tests off the back of this fight. Uh, it seemed to be the year of EPO. EPO mm. coming back into uh, fruition in fight sports this year. But congratulations to Henry Cejudo becoming a champ champ uh, in these months. Coming up next here on Fight Night Review of the Year, we're going to get stuck into March and April. Here we go, here we go. It's about time now we set it off. This has really been a special performance with Charlie Edwards and finishing strong here. And Charlie Edwards is still the WBC flyweight champion. Prola is going to go out fighting and he can't take it anymore. Down he goes and Vasil Lomachenko proves his utter class. This is the Fight Night Review of the Year. I'm Adam Catterall. Nick Pete alongside me, you're listening to Talk Sport. Time to get stuck into a bit of March and April from the world of fight sports. And there's only one place to start for me. March, UFC London. All eyes on Darren Till. And then Jorge Masvidal turned up. Yeah. To be honest, March and April of 2019 as a as a scouser, uh, forgettable months because they, things did not go well in the UFC. Is, is this or where in you the blew... boxing ring either. <laughs> we blew a couple of them. Um is this where the league title went? This is where the, as well? Of course, this yeah. is where the league yeah, yeah, title went is, yeah. as well. Thanks for reminding lovely me. Lovely months, yeah. lovely months, these. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, listen, nobody expected what we got at UFC London. You know, Darren Till uh, bouncing back after losing a welterweight title fight, headlined UFC London, basically asked to choose an opponent, and he, he picks out Jorge Masvidal, a perennial contender in the UFC, but a guy that's done most of his business down in the lightweight division. Um, and he comes out to an absolutely capacity crowd. At the O2, and everything's going well. He drops Masvidal in the first round. Look like he's coasting, and then suddenly Jorge Masvidal completely and utterly turned his entire life upside down and mm. around by landing a knockout punch, a one-punch knockout that left Till absolutely catatonic on the flat of his back. And for me, what began the most exciting journey of any fighter in 2019 with Masvidal. Mm. Also, a crazy month in the world of boxing because. Uh, it's in April where Cash Ali decides to sink his teeth into David Price. Wow, that was crazy, wasn't it? We yeah. were ringside for that one as well. And to see that actually unfold live and for real was so, like a surreal moment, wasn't it? It was absolutely bonkers. It was almost like it was happening in slow motion. And who knows what was going through the mind of Cash Ali, who prior to that had conducted himself so well during the week. And you thought, wow, okay, Cash Ali sees this as his meal ticket. This is a big Literally his meal ticket. He had a right feed. He enjoyed himself. And the uh, I think once he realised that he couldn't get close enough to, to David Price, he uh, reverted to some bizarre, I was going to say tactics then, but hardly mm. tactics. But uh, probably one of the most shocking things that happened in any ring 
or Cage this year for sure. And, uh, you know, Cash has played the ultimate price because I think he's still... I think he'll forever be trying to rehabilitate his career, won't he? Mm. It was a good fight night, that one, in Liverpool, because obviously that was probably the the weirdest story that comes out of the year, where Cash Ali sinks his teeth into David Price. But if you remember at the top of the bill that night, it was Anthony Fowler against Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. What a fight that was. One of the fights of the year. Without any shadow of a doubt, two British lads sticking it all on the line in 10 rounds of absolute blood, sweat and tears. Fantastic, fantastic fight. And basically won... In the last round. In the last round on a knockdown. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The two of them went toe-to-toe. I thought I'd foul them marginally ahead, maybe a round ahead going into... Of course the, you did, you're a scouser. Going into the last round. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, Fitzgerald dug deep, landed that uppercut, dropped Fowler, just only for a brief second, but enough to win the, fight, the, the round by a 10-8 swing. And uh, obviously... Pushes on from there. That was such a big rivalry so early on in both their careers. And, you know, we even now we're still expecting the rematch to happen sometime in 2020. And you know what? There'll probably be a third fight as well. And if they're delivering 10 rounds like they did on that night, then the British boxing's all the better for it. Mm. Uh, we had back-to-back uh, British fighters attempting to take on pound-for-pound greats uh, in the month of April. We were lucky enough to be in New York City for Amir Khan taking on Terence Crawford. Not the finish that Amir Khan would have wanted in this particular fight. Terence Crawford, great to see him up close and personal. It was also a night that we got to see Tiafimo, Tiafimo Lopez once yes. again back in action mm-hmm. up close and personal. Shakur Stevenson was on there as well at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but Crawford Khan closely followed by Lomachenko versus Anthony Crawler. They dared to be great and came up short. Yeah, both did come up short, exactly. You know, And Crawler did exactly what we always knew Crawler was going to do. He threw everything and the kitchen sink. But unfortunately, you know, there's levels to all kinds of sports. And I think Crawler, at the back end of his career, had little chance of making a dent on on someone like Lomachenko at the peak of his powers. Even at the peak of Crawler's career, I'm sure you'll agree, they struggled with Lomachenko. Um, Khan, I thought, I thought we went to New York with a little bit more hope for Amir Khan, that his hand speed might cause Terence Crawford some problems. But Terence Crawford was absolutely sensational that night. And to make Amir Khan quit, and I think we, you know, Amir Khan did not want to continue in that fight. So you've got to suggest that he did quit. Um, was a huge statement from Terence Crawford, you know, and this is a guy that could potentially be the boxer of the year, could potentially be pound for pound the best boxer on the planet right now. Um, two f- phenomenal performances, unfortunately, just against mm. two of our British lads. Um a little bit of a poignant, sad moment uh, for us to mention uh, throughout the course of these months. Throughout the course of the year, in fact, we have seen uh, some greats in Penel Whitaker, for example, uh, sadly leaving us, and uh, a couple of other guys like Dadashev, Maxim Dadashev losing his life in the ring. Uh, but in the month of April, Oliver Harrison sadly left us after battling with uh, a long-term illness. Um, the reason why I brought that up is because obviously we're from the northwest of England, spent a lot of time in that gym, following a lot of his fighters, the likes of Martin Murray, Rocky Fielding uh, and Jamie Moore. Um, and all I can say about Oliver Harrison is that uh, he was always welcoming when you went to the gym, but he never wanted the limelight. Sometimes no. you come across trainers and they think it's about them, not necessarily about the fighter, whereas... Oliver Harrison was polar opposite. It was always about the fight. He never wanted to be interviewed. He shied away from the camera. And his loss is a major loss, not only for his family, but the, for the family of boxing. Yeah, of course. Boxing will forever be in Oliver Harrison's debt. And it's just nice now that Jamie Moore is continuing his code of coaching 
into the boxing, you know, in boxing moving forward. And, you know, even now Oliver Harrison's family members, his nephews moving into MMA. And, you know, there's, there's still kids in that boxing gym where Martin Murray still helps out at the amateur gym and stuff that's doing really well. So um, while Oliver's not with us no more, his legacy is absolutely still with the sport. Absolutely. Um, so we've got May and June to get stuck into. And then for me, May and June is when it all started to get a little bit exciting. Maybe a few turn up for the books uh, came our way throughout the course of this month. Because if you remember, still in April, we were waiting for Anthony Joshua against Jarrell Miller. Whilst we were out in New York City, we found out that he'd failed not one, two, but three drug tests, the big baby, and a new opponent was on the horizon. We'll speak about it next on TalkSport. But I couldn't Brazil one with the back of the head. Will he just go for broke here? Dominic Brazil, he was badly hurt. And the right hand, and that's good night. Deontay Wilder retains his world heavyweight title for the fourth time. And the gun shields out. And Anthony Joshua could be counted out Uh, this is Fight Night on Talk Sport. It's our review of the year. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me, and we're in May. And I genuinely believe these two months now, May and June, is when boxing started to really get going in 2019. Um, we've obviously got the Anthony Joshua thing to talk about, and we'll come to that last because it's probably the biggest upset of the year. I don't think anybody's going to argue against that. But let's just mention a couple of other things that happen in these couple of months that um, without any shadow of a doubt, standout moments. Will Boxing Super Series rocking up in Glasgow? Yes. Josh Taylor puts on a stellar performance against Ivan Baranchik when there was loads of politics coming into this fight as to whether it would happen and whether it wouldn't happen. If you remember, it was on, it was off, it was on, it was off, and then all of a sudden it was on. And the fight itself was absolutely tremendous. And not only did the hometown guy, I know he's from Edinburgh, but you get what I'm trying to say, did the hometown guy put on a stellar performance and become a world champion that night, you also got to see some pound-for-pound pound greatness in Glasgow in the Japanese superstar, the monster that is in New Air, rocking in, up into town and absolutely dismantling Manny Rodriguez in front of the home fans. Yeah, especially after we'd seen Rodriguez so comfortably handle Paul Butler as well, you know, a former world champion of our own. So, World Boxing Super Series once again, just like it was... Did it win the year? 2018. <laughs> 2019, you know... 75% of the best fights this year took place. That's good, man. Wait, have, have you come up with 75%? Just came top of my head. Did like, you? Just stats. You just go, yeah, we'll go for 75%. I just, I just went there. I just went three quarters of the best fights I've seen this year were under the World Boxing Super Series it's banner. A good shout. And, and the reason being because they, they you know, they, they're handpicking eight of the very best available fighters in each weight division. And they did it exactly again this year with the two tournaments they set up, the super lightweights, mm. the bantamweights. They went out and got the very best guys. A new way we all knew was a potential superstar, but we'd not really seen him outside of Japan before. So to get him over to Scotland was a real coup. And we also knew that Josh Taylor had the ability, because the McGuigans had matched them so well, so in such a tough way that we thought, wow, this kid's got everything in his locker. He just needs the opportunity as well. And just like Callum Smith in 2018, 
Josh Taylor took the opportunity with both hands and absolutely run with it. And you're right, it started in May, June in Glasgow. Um, and as it played out as the, as the year went on, once again, World Boxing Super Series are the big stars of the show. Mm. Sensational night, that up in Glasgow for the World Boxing Super Series. It's also the month in May where Deontay Wilder started his knockout run. Um, and I'm sure by the end of the show, we'll be talking about some of the stellar knockouts of the year. His name's going to come up because he's got ferocious power, uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, out of the knockouts that you've seen from him this year, is the Brazil one the most devastating? The Brazil one's absolutely the most devastating because, you know, to win knockout of the year, it's got to be one-punch yeah. knockout. You, you can't know. have a follow-up. You can't, it can't be a TKO. You can't have a, you can't have a stoppage. You can't be a four-punch combination. No. It's got to be one shot and out. Good night. And he did that. Uh, absolutely did that against Brazil. Well, listen, we'd seen Brazil in with AJ. I don't think anyone gave Brazil much hope, but there was a lot of talk went into that fight. Brazil talked a lot of trash yeah. going into that fight and the way he was disposed of by Deontay Wilder suddenly then, that's when the conversation, if you remember, in the summer when he was flat on his back that people started saying, wait a minute is Wilder the biggest one punch heavyweight we've ever seen? Yeah, And that's where the story really started and built from. Mm. What did you make of the Canelo versus uh, Danny Jacobs fight? Um... I was just going to talk about Devin Haney then. I thought this was my Devin Haney moment. No, to no, talk no, about no, Devin no, Haney no, getting a knockout gonna, of the nah, year. Nah, don't you worry. I'll hold that back for a second. I just want to talk about Canelo Jacobs because that was obviously in May as well. Yeah. Um, listen, Canelo's after the... Once again, there's a real strong argument that Canelo is the best boxer of the year after the performances that he's put in. Um, and I know you don't like that. I know you've given me a bit of a sour face there because yeah, yeah. of his, his past... Clem, Clem Boutreau will always bring an asterisk to Canelo's name. That's why he can never be my pound for pound number one. Yeah. Because of that shadow that lies over him. I am not disputing he's a sensational boxer. Go and watch the first six rounds of Canelo Jacobs. It's a clinic. Yes. It's an absolute clinic. He's unbelievable. Jacobs comes into it in the second half of the fight. He probably wins four of the last six rounds, but Canelo's comfortably won. Yeah, he's, he's gone by then. He's won the fight quite comfortably. The first six rounds, it's a clinic, but... The Clem Boothroll thing will always have a shadow for But at, at that point, when he's when he puts in that kind of performance, as you say, six rounds, and you're thinking, wow, this guy's just kind of a completely different level. To then think that he jumped up two weight divisions. <laughs> and you're jumping ahead, Mums. The light heavyweight. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know, you, you've got to sit back and you've got to kind of, listen, th there's been discussions now in terms of levels, and we talk about this a lot, you know, why... Just because the laboratories can find traces, minimal traces, picogram amounts. Are you defending it? Listen, I'm, I'm going to have a serious conversation with you. I don't want one. Just because <laughs> the laboratories can, can detect a picogram amount of a trace PED doesn't mean they should be connecting it. Because you could inhale that walking into a room, you could get it off a coffee cup or oh, whatever. This is what we're being led to believe. Kool-Aid. He's so drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Are you on the blooming golden boy payroll? What's going well, on here? So what we're seeing now Adelaide is... Adelaide bird. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to draw the line in the sand. Hopefully they're going to announce it very soon and go, mm. listen, anything above 0.4 milligram is PED, is, is clenbuterol that's going to affect your performance, not just the trace that you may have got from some dodgy Mexican burgers. And that is where we're going to test for. Mm. And that's the defining line of whether you are on a PED or not. The sooner they bring that in, the better. Because this is not just boxing. It's not just Canelo. We're seeing this over in the UFC as well with John Jones, who's yep. been done multiple times. And we're being told it's because it's the trace amount of something that could have been in the system from a previous failed test. So the Canelo thing, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm drinking from the Kool-Aid yeah, at the you moment. Are. Yeah, you are. Um, these were also, but May and June were also the months that uh, the franchise champions were born. We mentioned that a little earlier on the show. Uh, Josh Warrington took on Kid Galahad. Not the most attractive of fights, but I kind of forgive uh, Josh Warrington because he gives a stellar 2018. So we'll let him off that particular one. And fingers crossed we roll on into 2020 with some sensational fights. The best ring walk of the year went to Tyson Fury taking on Tom Schwartz over in Vegas as he came out as Apollo Creed. Everybody remembers that. And a sensational performance as well announced himself once again to the Las Vegas crowd. Uh, Jamel Herring uh, becomes champion. He's got a fantastic story. Fingers crossed we'll see him in 2020 against the likes of Carl Frampton. Devin Haney. There we go. On that card. Produced one of the one of the, the knockouts knockout of, the of the year. Nick's the prospect of the year was Devin Haney and against Moran he landed an absolute howitzer. <sighs> wasn't it? Tell you what, you won't see a better punch this year. You will. Just go watch Teofimo Lopez. <laughs> anyway, we can't leave these particular months without talking about the big upset of the year. Ruiz, Joshua. Ruiz comes in five weeks' notice and shakes up the world. Unbelievable. It was absolutely sensational. Looking back now, it was, a, it was like watching... A car crash, wasn't it? It was like watching a car crash unfold. It was a movie. From, from, it was it was Rocky yeah. Balboa movie stuff. And the thing was, we had this we had this incredible fight with Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursuit on the undercard, which yep. is probably the greatest women's boxing match I've ever seen. So that set the table. And then Callum Smith come out and looked absolutely sensational, one of the knockouts of the year scoring one Dam. of the knockouts of the year against the Dam. Yes, exactly. And then suddenly you get this person who looks like AJ, who sounds like AJ, that. Is walking like AJ. That's you're looking in the ring and you're looking in his eyes, going, "That's not, that's, that's not, not Anthony Joshua. <laughs> Who's this guy?" Um, and then you know, the little fat Mexican baby bounced out <laughs> because at the time that's what he looked like—a little overweight Mexican man baby. Yeah, and he gets dropped, and you think, "Okay, this is AJ's world now. Yeah. We're going to see the finish routine. Finish you off." And then suddenly. The whole world just got turned upside down and flipped inside out, didn't it? And AJ just completely and utterly unraveled in the most public way possible. Mm. One of, I mean, every biggest upset of the year. Yeah, every generation of boxing fan, you know, comes across one of these big upsets. You know, it's fight sports at the end of the day. It takes one punch to change the the direction of a fight and everything unravels. We've seen it many, many times. We've been covering this sport for many, many years where you've seen the likes of a Lennox Lewis, one of the greats of all time, get beat. Yeah. Mike Tyson getting beat in Japan off Buster Douglas. Who'd yep. have thought that? Of course. And Connie now, Sanders, Flatline and Klitschko. There you go. And now we've had our moment. This was our moment. Andy Ruiz Jr. Last minute replacement doing that to Anthony Joshua. Heading in Anyone that's, I didn't know anyone that said that, to be honest with you. Yes, there was a few voices coming out of the US, certainly on the West Coast, saying, listen, Ruiz has got fast hands, you know, he's decent. But don't forget, we'd spoke to Bob Arum, a top rank, who described him as uh, having pillow fists. Yeah. He said he literally couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. Mm. So there's no way anyone expected him to be able to do what he did to Anthony Joshua at Madison Square Garden. And yet, this is, the, this is part of the reason why we are fight fans are so passionate about about fight sports because in a brief second anybody can win there's always that opportunity there's always that moment there's always that shadow of doubt that if someone catches someone clean and is able to finish it could be sensational but unlike a lot of those finishes we just talked about Lennox Lewis getting flatlined Corey Sanders catching Klitschko they were haymakers they were one punch knockouts they were lottery punches that came from nowhere that were quickly avenged Anthony Joshua was yes he was caught 
but then he was systematically beaten up for the next four or five rounds before he was he was made to f- quit on his feet. Mm. He didn't want to continue. He was in complete distress. That's what made the Ruiz upset so sensational and will remain in history for me as one of the most sensational upsets because of where Anthony Joshua was. However... He finished the year in good style. That's what you do. He turned the tables around and he proved psychologically he's good enough to compete with absolutely anybody and what a way to avenge that loss. Well, that's coming up in December, so stick around for it because next on our review of the year is July and August. This is it! The time has come! Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. You're better than that! On Talk Sport, the home of boxing. Here we go. And straight out! Uh, you listen to Fight Night. This is Talk Sport. It's the review of the year. Hopefully you're having a mince pie and a little bit of a sherry and just having a bit of a trip down memory lane, as we are, as we look back at the last 12 months uh, from the world of fight sports. And we now arrive into the months of July and August. Yes, all right, you might have been on a beach. You might have been getting a little bit of a tan on. And you might have had your headphones in for UFC 239. Thank you very much for coming to join us because this was our crowning moment of the year. <laughs> um, listen. John Jones was the main attraction that particular night. John Jones taking on uh, Santos 239, the light heavyweight championship on the line. You've got Amanda Nunes taking on Holly Holm as well. Everybody's excited about those two title fights, but somewhere just on the under, I say undercard, it was one of the main events. I think it was the the third card down on the main event. Mm -hmm. There was this lovely narrative of nastiness between Jorge Masvidal, who we mentioned a little earlier on in the show, who knocked out Darren Till in London, against Ben Askren, new to the UFC, just coming off the back of a controversial win against Robbie Lawler. Loads of backs and forth on social media, and the UFC decided to put this fight on. Wow, because it only lasted five seconds. We had the live exclusive commentary rights here on TalkSport. Myself, Nick, and Brad Pickett commentating on this fight, as you've just heard there in the little outro. For me... That is my personal moment of the year. To to be privileged enough to be commentating on that fight and then to be able to provide that in that particular moment, that will live with me forever. Because is it going to be a knockout of the year? Can we jump ahead? Because it it is an (laughs) absolute banger. It's an absolute banger. As you say, in terms of the performance... Flying knee! (laughs) In terms of being there in that moment and capturing that moment. And, you know, that for me was my favourite event moment situation working working moment professional moment maybe professional moment of of 2019 just to be around that and the whole Masvidal story of 2019 was just so phenomenal and as you say there was so much narrative going into the fight Ben Askren had been a superstar outside of the UFC Um, we've been getting told by the likes of Joe Rogan and so many others for so long that he was the best welterweight in the world that he should be in the UFC and then he finally came in he got a really controversial win over Robbie Lawler meanwhile Masvidal had starched Till and and Ben Askren had come to London to talk his way into a fight with Darren Till and Masvidal kind of replaced Till in that fight instead Mm. 
which is what set this fight up uh, at the T-Mobile in July. And it was just... And now when you look back, you know, it, it's hard to imagine a single moment in, in, in all of fight sports that competes with it. Just because to, to, to run at someone and throw a flying knee... And literally, the the moment the fight starts, to sprint across that octagon, land it, and throw a flying knee and land it absolutely clean and leave the guy completely out cold, knocked out. Wow, abs! That was just bonkers. There you go. That was July and August. That we don't need to talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Other things did happen because it was a good month for one of our own, Leon Edwards, in the UFC. Beat Rafael dos Anjos uh, in these months. Stipe, we got a new um, heavyweight champion in the UFC as well. Uh, in a fight that just took a, a dramatic turn in the third, fourth round, if I'm not mistaken, Nick. Yep. He changed his tactics up, the Stipe Miocic, to regain his heavyweight championship against uh, Daniel Cormier. We anticipate in 2020 that those boys will run that back. Mm -hmm. uh, China got its first UFC champion, uh, Wiley Zhang. Uh, fantastic performance from her. Blowing away her opponent. What was it, 48 seconds or something crazy like that? Which now sets up a fantastic fight uh, in the new year with uh, Joanna, the former champion. Uh, Conor McGregor tried to knock out an old guy in a bar. Well, that's it. We saw the best chin of the year. Yeah, we've got to give that award to the to the old man sitting in the bar well. who, who refused the glass of whiskey. He took it well. Best chin of 2019. <laughs> the old fella in the Dublin bar took took Conor McGregor's best left hook. Yeah, didn't even fall off his stool. Abs Sensational. What a guy. Colby Covington put on a clinic against Robbie Lawler. We all know what happened at the back end of the year with Colby Covington and uh, Kamaru Usman, but a sensational performance. Uh, from Colby in that particular fight. And then we move on into the world of boxing because this, for me, was the coming of age of Daniel Dubois in mm -hmm. this particular month. I know that uh, uh, there's a lot made of the 22-year-old uh, of how good he could go on to become. Lots of talk about whether he was just power, whether he was just brute force. In the fight against Nathan Gorman, he showed up, footwork, poise, calmness. Oh, temperament was there as well on a big night at the O2 Arena. He outboxed the boxer and put him away. Yeah, it was a great moment because both, listen, both guys went into this fight as, as red-hot British prospects and there was a real divide in the boxing media as to how this fight was going to play out. And you're right, a lot of people thought that Dubois' power in the first four rounds would either prove decisive or Gorman would survive a couple of scares but then absolutely outboxed Dubois down the stretch. Um, but it just didn't play out like that at all. It, mm. You know, Once again, the sport shown us that levels matter. Dubois was sensational from start to finish and he proved that not only was he a bigger puncher than Gorman but actually he was a far better boxer as well and he controlled everything from the very first bell until he pulled the trigger and got the finish A couple of great British performances in the boxing ring you've got to give a bit of credit to Anthony Yard who went away to deepest darkest Russia to take on Sergei Kovalev he came up short but he was only a punch away if he landed one more clean in that eighth round <laughs> no. he'd be the WBO light heavyweight champion of the world. Luke Campbell took on uh, Vasyl Lomachenko, an absolute privilege to be around that throughout the course of the week to watch greatness uh, up close and personal. High speed, high risk chess. Lomachenko was brilliant. Luke Campbell was brilliant as well, yes. uh, but he just came up short and hopefully in 2020 he'll get that opportunity to have his hand raised as a world champion. We got an absolute cracking fight between Hooker and Ramirez over in the States, didn't we? Uh, between those two guys, Ramirez getting the job done, which then could set up another fantastic fight with Josh Taylor uh, in 2020. Look at this. I'm looking ahead already to the next year of how many fantastic fights that we could get stuck into. We got Thurman Pacquiao, which was a great fight. The old man doing the young man. But the narrative of this particular fight came down to no Vada testing. And this is where I kind of flip now into the White-Rivas situation because we had Dillian White, Oscar Rivas, 
great fight, great performance from Dillian White. And then we had all the situation off the back of that with UCAD. And then the narrative throughout the course of the month, me and you doing shows together, not only for here, but on our Fight Disciples podcast as well. We just seem to be talking about drug testing for about six to eight weeks throughout the whole course of the summer. Yeah, it was really disappointing. And that, you know, that's the last thing you want to be talking about because boxing and fight sports in general just needs to have one organization testing everybody all the time. And it's a simple way to fund it as well because when the big fights are happening, when Canelo or AJ or Wilder are fighting and they're generating the tens of millions of dollars, you siphon off 0.001% of that and that funds drug testing on a national on an international scale. So, But the problem we've got is each governing body has their preferred testers. Each region, whether it's the UK or whether it's a state, a single state in America, mm-hmm. has their own drug testing policies. Different rules. Different, different rules. Different lengths of ban. Even though they all follow the WADA code, which is the you know the benchmark, if you like, code, they all have variations of the WADA code because regional athletic commissions have certain things they do or don't like, and UKAD over here have a certain way of doing business. And that's what came into the spotlight more than anything. It was what seemed to be from the outside the ineptitude of UKAD and their their code of conduct in terms of how they deal with a positive test. Mm-hmm. They don't react, get the B sample tested and move on it within days like you would from a sporting perspective, from a fan's perspective, hope the policies would be. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It can take months. In fact, it can take years for them to to fully investigate a case and to, to test B samples and everything else. And that came to light more than anything in 2019 and remains in the spotlight because that still remains one of the biggest blights on British boxing. Listen, we set ourselves apart. We say, in the UK, we test more than anybody. We're safer than anybody. Our paramedic, you know, our, our brain scanning annually, everything else is locked down. We are the benchmark. We are the ones driving it on a global scale. And in 2019, we absolutely dropped the ball and we exposed ourselves to what we are in terms of testing. The UKAD model is not right. And that became highlighted. And, and you know, we almost became the laughing stuff of, of Will Boxing. Mm. And a now proven innocent man had a lot of mud thrown on him. Yeah. And he lost a, a lot of momentum um, over a five month period, yep. which has put him back quite comfortably 18 months, which, At is, least. which is unfair. Yeah, because, you know, will he ever be able to sell out the O2 again in a pay-per-view event? I don't think he will, because I think mud sticks, and I think a lot of fans will think, well, they, they won't want to read too deeply into it. They don't want to know the full truth. The truth all, yeah. they know, all they know is, oh, we failed a test with UKAD, but UKAD can't see it through because they've got no money. That's fine. We've been here before with other fighters, whatever. There ain't no smoke without fire. And he'll never. I don't think he'll ever be able to sell out the O2 again on a pay-per-view on the strength of his own name, and that's not fair. Mm. Um, we move on to uh, September and October. Uh, myself and Nick, during these months, took a little bit of a trip out to Abu Dhabi. The Middle East became quite prominent in fight sports this year. We'll talk about that next. Absolutely incredible the way he dominates people. Bowling comes out of it with enormous credit. The Fury, tremendously handicapped. He knows he's won the fight. But Bowling celebrates as well. First of all, welcome to Monday Night Raw and welcome to Bakersfield. Whoa. And Strowman just picked up Tyson Fury. Strowman and Fury going at it. Look at the security team trying to break these men up. They can't do it. Oh, go on, man. 
Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. It's the review of 2019. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. Uh, we're into September and October, and these became prominent months for the Middle East, Nicholas. We even took a trip out there, didn't we? We had a little sure bit did. of a little bit of a rodeo out to Abu Dhabi. I had a lovely little trip down to Abu Dhabi for a bit of UFC action. But it wasn't just about UFC because if you remember, in these particular months, our very own Tyson Fury rocked up in the Middle East. No, he wasn't boxing everybody. No, 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 no. Decided to go and become a wrestler. WWE. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'll just correct you there. They're not called wrestlers. What are they called? They're called WWE superstars. There you go. Just there you go. Um, it's also the months. Uh, where we had an announcement that Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, the rematch, would be going back out uh, to the Middle East, of which we saw in December. Mm -hmm. uh, but prominent times. The Middle East is coming. We're obviously seeing a World Cup in the world of football going out there in Qatar. Uh, we just Your lads Liverpool are out, uh, have been out there recently, obviously, for this Super Cup nonsense that they've been playing in. I'll tell you something, there's a few quid out there, isn't there? Yeah, and, and as you say, it's, it's a real trend now, and I think sports in general, is catching on to the fact that there's a lot of money out in the Middle East, that the Middle East is prepared and is capable of putting on big sporting events. And, you know, speaking to Eddie Hearn in the aftermath of the AJ Ruiz rematch at the back end of the year, he's mm. made it quite clear that they will absolutely be going back in 2020. They may even go back twice in 2020. So with all the football going out there, with the UFC heading back out there every every year again now, they've committed to going back every year. The Middle East has become a, a real prominent player in world sports and particularly in fight sports because mm. the fight sports crowd um, travel in big numbers and it's an event that you can control quite comfortably because it's almost like a concert. It's a one-off event. You haven't got to entertain people for weeks on end like you do around the World Cup. It's almost like a, a bit of a smash and grab in terms of cash. And what they, clearly what the Middle East want right now is as much football as possible as they try and reinvent themselves as the number one tourist destination on the planet. Mm. Um, I apologise for my carbon footprint throughout the course of these months because uh, nothing was happening in the UK. So I had to get on uh, my jollies and go for a little bit of a trek. As I mentioned there, we went out to uh, the UFC to watch Habib against Dustin Poirier. Fantastic event. Really, really good. The week after, oh my days, Mexican bank holiday weekend. We oh. rocked up in Las Vegas for another sensational ring walk from Tyson Fury. This time taking on Otten, Otto Valen. Um But the fight didn't play out as we anticipated, did no. we? Did not. And Early cuts took us down a different avenue. Yeah, bad cuts as well. You know, some of the worst cuts you've seen in a boxing ring. And I think anybody but Tyson Fury gets stopped on cuts that night. I think the fact that the top rank had invested so much money in Tyson Fury and he'd become such a media darling with the US over there is the only reason why that fight kept going. But in typical Tyson fashion, unlike AJ, who unraveled in Madison Square Garden when the chips were down, when his mm. back was against the wall, when the cut was threatening to stop the fight... Tyson Fury comes up with one of the quotes of the year mid-fight as he uh, as he sails through and holds on to his unbeaten record against Wallen. It didn't play out as we expected, but in typical Tyson fashion, he made the best of a bad situation, didn't he? Mm. A couple of highlight uh, real knockouts at UFC Mexico. There's a spinning back fist in there from Stephen Peterson. Uh, Israel Adesanya becomes champion against Robert Whittaker in one of the performances of the year. Put an absolute clinic on there and might even push Tyson Fury for ring walk of the year you know yeah. I think I think he's right up there for ring walk of the year is Israel Adesanya sensational from him um, we got Spence versus Porter we then got the Spence car crash which was absolutely ridiculous um, glad that he came out of that alive but in the aftermath you find out that he's been done for a DUI and listen we don't condone any of that nonsense if you're drinking and driving you're a prat in, a, in our eyes uh, he needs to get his head back in the game 
and get concentrating on what he's really, really good at and hopefully set up some super fights with the likes of Terence Crawford in 2020. Yeah, good to hear he's actually back in the ring as well. He's back training at the moment, which for a while there with Errol Spence, it didn't sound too good. But, you know, hopefully he, he pays his price back to his local community because so he should do for his actions. Mm. But uh, as you say, hopefully he gets back in the boxing ring in 2020 and we see what potentially is the best welterweight on the planet. Mm. I went to a press conference in these uh, particular months for Nigel Ben's comeback. Delighted it didn't happen. Ugh, aren't we just? We talked about it at great length, didn't we? And we we couldn't believe it was happening. We couldn't believe people that um, were being were calling themselves boxing men were even trying and attempting to put this thing on. And you know, once they announced Saki Obika as well, he was let's face it, he is no joke of an opponent. This guy was a mm. world title contender eighteen months previous, and you're going to put him in with a a fifty year old Nigel Ben in some kind of freak show. And we 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 said on air, didn't we? We said we we appealed out to boxing fans and said please don't buy this please don't go after this please don't purchase tickets we don't want it to happen and then a couple of weeks later it was obviously came to light that Nigel Ben or, or they said that Nigel Ben hmm. had an injury you know I'd like to think the reaction from sense. boxing yeah, yeah. the reaction from fans uh, made them second guess what they were planning to do hmm. Alexander Usyk made his heavyweight debut uh, in these months and we also got uh, your boy being crowned a paper Champion. Devin Haney, WBC Pepper. champion handed to him. of the world. Handed so, to him okay, because bro. of a franchise. Should we just talk about that for a second? Because yeah, he was handed it. He was given it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He wasn't champion. We started 12 months ago. He we was sat upgraded. here. And I said, Devin Haney is the boy to watch this year. And you yeah, said, Teofimo Lopez Correct. is the boy to watch this year. Which of the two, just a, just a yes, just a, just a name, I told one from you. Yeah. Which of those two boys had a world title belt around their waist first. That's all I'm going to ask. Was it Haney or was it Lopez? Was it Haney or was it Lopez? A legitimate one. Was it Haney a legitimate or was one. it Lopez? A legitimate one, Tiafema Lopez. Was it Haney or was it Lopez? Tiafema Lopez. WBC world champion, Devin Haney. No, his IBF world champion is Tiafema Lopez, the legitimate one. <laughs> uh, listen, in these months we got we were blessed with two absolute cracking fights in the boxing ring. We first of all got Gavodic against Paterbiev. What an absolute banger oh, that was! Yes. Two light heavyweight division is ridiculous. If it's one of those divisions that if you if you're into boxing, you look at that and you go, "This is the division." If you're not into it, you might not know necessarily some of the names. You'll know Kovalev because obviously Anthony Yard fought him this year. You dipped in there and had a little bit of a look at that. You know that Canelo went up there and beat Kovalev at the end of the year. Gavodic Paterbiev was the fight that we were all just absolutely salivating over and it did it delivered. It was fantastic. It was absolutely unreal. And as you say, they may not be household names, but it's such a shame mm. because, you know, Paterbiev's an absolute monster. Mm. And as we roll into 2020, how big a star is he going to become this year? Mm. You know, what Because of the names out there, you're right, the division is absolutely packed with big names, with superstars. Um, and it's just a shame. You know what? I'd even throw a World Boxing Super Series at that. At, at that weight division just to try and pull all those guys together let's do it again because there, there's so much quality there um, let's see who reigns supreme nice that you mentioned the World Boxing Super Series there because at the end of the month their final in the super lightweight division gave us one of not just the fights of the year but the fights of the decade it was absolutely sensational we knew that it was a tough test uh, for Josh Taylor Regis Progress has been absolutely sensational. But on this show, we just edged it with Josh saying that because of the way that he's been matched leading into that fight, it just might be the deciding fight that he's been here before. He's been in with Postal. He's been in with Brancic. Regis Progress, for all his brilliance up until this point, he hasn't had a gut check. 
listen, he might not even have needed a gut check because he was absolutely sensational for long periods of that fight. But Josh Taylor that night showed us just how good he is. He changed the momentum of the fight and for us, snatched it by one, maybe even two rounds in the end. Sensational final. And I won't mind seeing that again in 2020. And I think we will. I think we will see it again in 2020 because I can't see anybody else beating Progress and I can see Josh Taylor continuing to march forward. The most exciting thing really is Josh Taylor finally became the fighter we were being led to believe he was, the champion that we were being led to believe. You know, he'd been matched so difficultly, so, so tough. They don't like so him. So many former... Barry McGuigan doesn't like him, I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced. He keeps putting him in with absolute animals. So many former champions that he beat, and yet when he beat Progress, when he had his arm raised, when he became World Boxing Super Series champion, and he held all those belts straight over him, you knew at that very moment exactly why he'd been matched so difficultly along the way. Yeah. And he and he's stepped up and he's become, you know, he's joined... An, an elite list of Scottish world champions. He stands alongside the likes of Buchanan and people like that because he's done it the hard way. He's yeah. beat the very best in the division. He's clean shop and he's the man at the top of the tree right now, the ring magazine belt, the, the number one in the weight division. And, pro- you know, I think it's hard to argue that he's been the British Boxer of the Year from 2019. Now, as well as those highlights, the uh, Taylor Progress fight, the Gavodic versus Baturbiev, and obviously the ring walks of uh, Fury, Brilliance from Israel Adesanya in the in the UFC. The highlight of these months for me, without any shadow of a doubt, was the birth of No Context Hearn. That is that is that's <laughs> that is where the year changed for me. Because now every morning when I wake up, yes, I check the boxy news. I see what's going on in the world of fight sports, of course I do. But I just check that Twitter account just to see how many gifts and memes I can throw out throughout the course of the day. <laughs> Whoever came up with that account, you're an absolute genius. I've even seen now that they're making. Um, little models bobblehead, bobblehead dolls bobblehead model <laughs> dolls that you can buy for uh, your, your loved ones with five sound bites from from Eddie Hearn on there sensational that Twitter account is the best thing on Twitter of, this, of 2019 well done to whoever created it no context then the birth uh, in September and October uh, stick with us we've got two more months to review before we hear from Gareth A. Davis and his thoughts on 2019 If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. with a good start. And Diaz immediately with pressure. Always. What is the doctor's doctor waving it off. No way. What? Wow. No way. Dana White immediately out of no his seat. What a performance under pressure from AJ. And he delivers an emphatic points victory. There can be no doubt. What a 2019 we're having in heavyweight boxing. It's the 2019 Review of the Year. This is Fight Night. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, Nick Pete alongside me. You're listening to Talk Sport. We're into November and December and the month of the Bad Morphos. Yes, mates. We normally slag off these uh, made-up belts, don't we? You know, we see it. We've just been talking about it throughout the course of the show. The WBC just making champion after champion for sanctioning fees. The WBA have been doing it for such a long period of time. The UFC have normally... They are the bastion. They normally say, listen... One division, one champion. Not this year. They decided to make up a belt, mainly because two fighters uh, initiated this sensational mouth-watering prospect of them getting it on at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And boy, did they bring it. Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, and the BMF title. It, it, it absolutely sums both of them up. You know, it's, it's absolutely perfect. And it's become, in my eyes, the most sought-after prize in all of mixed the, the martial arts. The BMF belt is bigger than the, the bigger championship than the belt. belts. Bigger than the world title belts. Wow. Because the BMF belt, which now belongs with Jorge Masvidal after his victory over Diaz, mm. isn't defined by a weight division, isn't defined by any ratings or bo- or MMA politics. It's up to Masvidal now. It's been made quite clear that this $50,000 belt that they've had purposely made belongs to Jorge Masvidal. And when Jorge Masvidal fights, it's up to him whether he even puts it on the line anyway, which makes it completely and utterly unique. And it, you know what? I love it because it's a throwback to like old school MMA, the old Hoist Gracie days when a guy, you know, a sumo wrestler weighing 300 pounds would fight a karate guy who weighed, you know, 12 stone. It would be, it'll just complete bonkers mismatch. And it allows that again. Masvidal could go, well, listen, come on. I'll fight a light heavyweight for it. I'll put my BMF belt on the line. It's crazy. It's bonkers. But it's what kind of, for me, lights a fire inside the belly in mixed martial arts. Fun. And um, last one on mixed martial arts for these two particular months. We were lucky enough to be at UFC 245 in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. The main event, very rarely do you get beef between two guys and it lives up to it when they close the cage door. They normally just fizzle out a little bit. Usman Covington brought it for the best part of five rounds. Both men's stock most certainly rises. And Colby Covington fighting on with a broken jaw. Listen, that's what BMFs do, don't they? Absolutely. There you and- go, Masvidal. There's your next BMF. It, and, and that would be exactly right. I would be on exactly the same song sheet, except we also got this month confirmation that Conor McGregor is coming back on January the 18th. And Conor McGregor's coming back as a welterweight for one reason only, and it certainly isn't to go and fight Kamara Usman or even fight Colby Covington. It's because Jorge Masvidal mm. last competed at welterweight. Conor McGregor wants that BMF title belt. 
we roll into 2020. Listen, we can't we can't skip over November, December without speaking about the big one, can we? What are you talking about? The big one. In what? LA. The main event. Do you have to? Well, I have, we're doing mixed martial arts now. I'm what? not talking about white-collar jockey fights. <laughs> KSI, Logan Paul, changing the, uh, changing the demographics, changing the landscape of boxing. Listen, again, I want to reiterate, I have no problem with two lads from different worlds coming into the world of boxing and having a go and making themselves a, a ton of cash. My problem has always been the way it's marketed. Don't sell me KSI and Logan Paul in the same way that you're going to sell AJ and Ruiz Jr. the rematch. It's not the same thing. It isn't the same thing. It's glorified white collar. Make that obvious to your audience and therefore you don't muddy the water. Simple. Listen, they sold out the Staples Centre. Hats off to both those kids. He's on the Kool-Aid again this lad. Um, I think, you know... They've actually announced Logan Paul's next fight as well. He's fighting in Miami in 2020. So is it him or is it his brother? I know his brother's having a knock with somebody, isn't he? I thought it was him. Jake Paul. I think he's having a bit of a do with somebody. It might uh, be Logan Paul. Listen, mate, regardless. I don't follow it because it's, yeah. it's, it's not proper boxing. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking boxing, though, we've got to talk about Deontay Wilder's knockout against Ortiz. Once again, proving that he's one of the biggest well, punches. The heavyweight division had two stellar moments in December, didn't we? We, well... Uh, was it the last week of November, wasn't it? The uh, Wilder knockout. Yes. So Wilder knocks out Ortiz. Wow. And he was outstanding. Six rounds down. Yeah. Pulls out the the big punch that we know he's got, that he knows that he's got. And he comes out with that immortal line, doesn't he? Like, to beat him, you've got to be on it for absolutely for 12 rounds. All, yeah. all he needs is two seconds yeah. of perfection like to me. finish you. That's me, mate. Yeah. I only need two seconds of perfection. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but we, you know, that performance was absolutely stellar. But you know, I've got to be honest, and, and this may be because, you know, I was a bit more engrossed and engaged because of the what happened in the summer. But for me, Anthony Joshua's performance against Andy Ruiz was as good, if not better, than Deontay Wilder's performance because he absolutely overcomes so many demons to get back in that ring with Andy Ruiz, and to box Ruiz's socks off in the manner that he did, for me, one of the biggest moments of the year. Mm. I know a lot of people criticised Anthony Joshua's performance, but personally, I thought he was absolutely sensational. He was, and it was a pleasure to be on air that night with Barry McGuigan and Luke Campbell looking at that fight and calling it. Uh, Canelo went on to beat Kovalev in yet another weight division, becoming the light heavyweight champion of the world. I know he's he's now obviously reneged that belt. He's vacated it. Uh, It was a smash and grab, as we predicted. But to go up there and beat a seasoned veteran like uh, uh, Sergei Kovalev, listen, that's no mean feat. And it wasn't, um, I know we've said smash and grabbers in going up there and then move it, leaving the weight category, but the fight itself, yeah, Kovalev was doing extremely well in the fight. But don't look away from what Canelo did. He was waiting for the moment, waiting for the moment, setting up the moment, using feints. And when the opportunity came, he showed how good he was. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. There's no other way to describe that performance from Canelo, and it's going to be tough when we come to it to mm. argue that he's not the best performer of 2019, certainly in a boxing mm. ring, because nobody else is skipping weight divisions the way he is. And yes, I know we've talked about it. There's an asterisk next to his name, but to be completely dominant at middleweight and then to jump up to light heavyweight and to defeat the biggest name in the light heavyweight division in the manner that he did. Canelo Alvarez was sensational in 2019. Mm. Uh, little note for Anthony Crawler announcing his retirement uh, and having his final fight in these months as well. What a sensational career that young man has had. Uh, I think I've said this on the show on many occasions. He's been one of those fighters that I've documented uh, since my 
start in 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 this world covering fight sports best part of 15 years ago uh to have been on this journey with him to see him on the downs and then on that sensational up in at Manchester Arena when he finally became world champion when i saw him uh fighting Bolton against uh Al Hamidi and get beat never in a month of Sundays would I have you told love, you you love reminding him about that Mate, like, don't you? I was like who's this guy this guy ain't going to be world champion and then obviously he took us on a crazy ride for seven years and he ended up getting there sensational and he fought Lomachenko this year as well wow what Mate, a way to sign off what a way to sign off Anthony Crawler absolutely sensational uh, just a little note as well for Thursday morning fights in Asia, right? That's what we need more of, especially when Inoue and Donera just chucking down. I'm there with me Coco Pops, enjoying myself, watching these two give us arguably the fight of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Some people listening to this will argue that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you say, the timing was absolutely perfect. And just to see Donera, who'd gone into the fight, you know, we, we'd we seen him lose against Carl Frampton. We all expected it to be, you know, the... the is, is real swan song. We thought his days had gone behind him. Um, he, he'd gone into the tournament and then was fortunate to move through the early stages with Ryan Burnett, of course, getting injured and having to pull out of the fight with a back injury, which ultimately ended his boxing career this year as well. Um, tough year for him after being a two, two-time world champion. But Denier absolutely turned up, didn't he? The very best of Nanito Denier, the Hall of Fame boxer Nanito Denier, the multiple-time world champion Nanito Denier turned up and gave it his absolutely best shot. And what we found out that night was the monster Inoue is far more than just a puncher. He's far more than that because he proved that night that not only can he box, not only can he move, not only has he got a good fight IQ, but he's got cojones as well, hasn't mm. he? Because he took some big shots from Denier and kept moving forward. And we had a couple of those wobbly moments, which he survived and overcame, that proved that, wow, Inoue is a genuine champion, one of the greatest fighters on the planet right now. There you go. That's the last 12 months in fight sports. We're going to nip over to Hawaii in a moment or two to speak to Gareth A. Davis to get his take uh, on uh, the previous year. And then in the final hour of the show, our favourite fights, our favourite fighters, knockout of the year, and some mad predictions for the next 12 months. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. It's our end of year review as we look back at the last 12 months. Now, normally alongside me is Gareth A. Davis, but it's this time of year, isn't it? And Gareth doesn't like the cold. He doesn't like the winter. He likes to get out to uh, somewhere flashy in America or even Hawaii. Hawaii. He's gone to Hawaii. The, 100% he's surfing. He's probably hanging out with Moana or something like that, isn't he? Come on, Gaz. Tell us what you're up to whilst you're uh, out in Hawaii. Is it uh, all sun, sea, and a little bit of something else? Yeah, it's all of those things. <laughs> even, even, even watching Kat Zingano, the oh, yeah. former UFC, now Bellator fighter, yeah. flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight, swimming with sharks. How about that? Look at you, yeah. You tell um, us something. You're right, Ed. You're right. I... I it's been so wet, so cold, so dark this winter that I decided to get over to Hawaii and stay on the Pacific mm. until basically the new year comes in. So I am sorry I'm not there with you. Uh, are are you currently wearing a, a flowery shirt? Have you got one of your best shirts out? It's red. Yes. It's got palm trees on it. Beautiful. There it is. He's in there. He's in. You're drinking out of a coconut as we speak, aren't you? And I am drinking out of a coconut. <laughs> exactly. You have got the picture. Right. <laughs> Come on then, my man. Give us your highlights because there's been a lot going on in the world of boxing over the last 12 months. Which moments have stood out for you? Well, look, I, I, 
to summarise it, I think it's been an amazing year in boxing 2019. I think, you know, you look at the heavyweight world picture, Mm -hmm. four dramatic heavyweight fights for me, the upset and the redemption, if you count Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua, their two fights, two incredible knockouts by the World Boxing Council champion Deontay Wilder against Mm -hmm. Dominic Brazil. Um, you know, that punch that went over the Hudson River in New York mm-hmm. and the knockouts, the patient stalking knockout yeah. of uh, Luis Ortiz in, in Las Vegas. Um, in the women's boxing world, this is fantastic, fascinating, actually, and actually quite fantastic that the three women that emerged at the Olympic Games in 2012, mm. Katie Taylor, Clarissa Shields at lightweight and middleweight, both won Ring Magazine titles this year. Mm. And obviously, Clarissa Shields had that all-women's middleweight, all the belts at middleweight um, against Christina Hammer. The flyweight from London, Nicola Adams, mm. retired. Um, you know, the, the flyweight from London won the gold medal, retired this year, Nicola Adams, being, being given uh, a, a, a world flyweight title belt. Um, the, the, in the promotional stakes, Bob Adams power base growing with Terence Crawford and Vasyl Lomachenko. The matchroom stable kind of going hugely global. And, and, and the infamy and fame of Eddie Hearn is no context turn. We can't not mention <laughs> no context turn. Especially if there's a new doublehead being created. Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and then, you know, if you look at Frank Warren's base, the, the, the continued emergence of Daniel Dubois who I think is really could be one of the sensations for next year. I know you'll probably come on to that in a minute. But, of course, also in the stable and in Bob Arum's stable, Tyson Fury. And, his conti- you know, he didn't have the best year in terms of the fights he had. Mm. But he continued to grow as a, a storyline, as a global star, the crossover to WWE. Um, and then two other things that, I'd, I'd really, that really stand out for me in, in 2019 uh, the World Boxing Super Series had two fantastic tournaments as well. Yes, good show. Noia Inui, yeah, Noia Inui and um, and and um, and and Donair, um, but the flat Filipino Flash had an amazing bantamweight final in uh, in in Japan, of course. And we, our very own Josh Taylor, winning against Regis Pograi uh, in London, that we were at, of course, two brilliant World Boxing Super Series uh, events, and it just shows the value of tournament sports, and also. The very unusual event, KSI and Logan Paul, mm. one of the most watched boxing events of the year, um, showing that, you know, entertainment, our, our world of fight sports is a pure entertainment industry. And I think those are my kind of highlights of the year. And, you know, I mean, I haven't given you my boxer of the year yet. I mean, and I know you, you're going to give yours later, but um, for me, uh, the boxer of the year, has to go to Saul Canelo Alvarez. Oh, you've gone left field. All right, okay. Come on, you've gone left field. Tell me why Why? why Canelo? Why have you gone there? Um, I know a lot of people, because of the um, Clembutal charges a couple of years ago, yeah. have an asterisk over, over Canelo. But I think that move up to light heavyweight, you wouldn't have imagined that a year and a half ago. Fair point. Um, you know, when he started off as a 15-year-old at, at you know, light middleweight, um... 154 pounds. He goes all the way up to 175 against one of the big punchers, the crusher, and he defeats Kovler. Brilliant matchmaking just at the right time. He stalked a bigger man, um, 
kind of closed him down and took Kovalev out in that fight. I thought it was fascinating. I think that he'll be done at light heavyweight there. Mm. I remember there were even people talking about Canelo fighting at heavyweight against Andy Ruiz <laughs> Jr. after that. So, um, no, he, he's my, my boxer of the year. I still think he's the biggest star in the boxing firmament um, outside the heavyweights because they're different. But, uh, but my, my, my fighter of the year is, is Saul Canelo Alvarez. Can't argue with that. What do you think he will go on to do in 2020? Where are the matchups for him and at what weights? I think he'll, he'll continue at, um, at super middleweight and I think he'll probably end up fighting uh, Golovkin at somewhere between middleweight and super middleweight. Golovkin might fancy going and meeting at, at super middleweight. It might make it a bit easier for him. Mm. I think we're seeing uh, the fading of Kennedy at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me if he has the trilogy fight because there's a lot of money in it. I hope we get Callum Smith against um, Saul Canelo Alvarez, even though I felt that John Ryder was very harshly done by an athletic jump. This will be a rematch. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's loads of great fights out there for him, you know, um, but I do think those will be the fights he'll have in, in, in 2020. In regards to the super fights, I don't know about you, Gareth, but I feel very similar right at this moment in, in time as I did this time last year. Me and you were lucky enough uh, to be in LA this time last year or ju- just after this uh, for uh, Wilder against Fury. And if you remember, we had conversations saying, listen, 2019 is going to be amazing because that fight now is the catalyst of us to get some real super fights. We didn't really get them in, 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 the, in the 12 months after that. And I feel now with Andy, Anthony Joshua just regaining his belts with the talk of Wilder Fury 2 just on the horizon. I've just got a feeling that 2020, we might just get a couple of those fights that we were all clambering for this time last year. I mean, God, let's hope so, Adam. I mean, you know, it really feels like it's Groundhog Day at the start of 2020 from what we had at the start of 2019 with these, this triumvirate of, yeah. of brilliant heavyweight fighters who need to fight each other. Um, I think... In many ways, the olive branch, the sparring camp olive branch that Anthony Joshua put out there, very, very clever move to say that he'd happily go and spar with with Tyson Fury in training camp. Um, just for a moment made the Brits unified against the American yeah. Wilder. Um, and I do think that fight would be made easier. I think it would be the biggest single event if Anthony Joshua... Um, and Tyson Fury, if he beats Deontay Wilder on February the 22nd in Las Vegas, I think that could be the biggest of single sports event we've had since the World Cup at Wembley Stadium in mm. 66. I really do. I think it'd be amazing. And I think they both know that. I think it's a big, big matchup, uh, a big a kind of a coming together of two different cultures in many ways, the mainstream and, and the kind of... Uh, you know, the, 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 the culture that follows Tyson Fury, which believes in utter authenticity and mm. redemption story, all those things. Um, but Frank Warren's saying that there could be a trilogy fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder if they want to thwart Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua. I agree with you. I think we may well get two yeah. big kind of three or four fights next year. I sincerely hope we do. Mm. But then you've got to look at, Mandatories, and I know it's something that you follow quite closely. And mm. um, you know that there may be belts vacated. I just hope we get an undisputed heavyweight champion 
in, in 2020 and that we don't find ourselves going through the year on the show all next year. <laughs> so we thought this was going to happen, but it didn't. And you know, let's, let's be honest, that one of the reasons why there's so much interest in boxing per se at the moment globally is because the Blue Ribbon division is flying high with three guys that need to be tested properly. I think Anthony Joshua did brilliantly in 2019 to come back and put himself in the frame and give himself and Eddie Hearn kind of control the heavyweight division, if you like, by, by winning back those three major belts. So uh, yeah, it's, it's all to play for, onwards and upwards in, in 2020, and hope we get those fights. Fingers crossed. Listen, just quickly, before you go back to uh, drinking from the coconut and uh, lying on the beach, <laughs> um, mixed martial arts, we both cover it. Talk to me about your highlights uh, uh, from the octagon. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard not to be at this time of the year and not be excited about um, looking forward, to be honest. I, I'm so pleased that Conor McGregor's back. Yeah. You asked me for the year, but I'm, I'm really excited about Conor McGregor being back June the 18th in, in Las Vegas. Um, I'm sure we'll both be out there. I've already booked my flight, <laughs> my hotel. You're going straight from Hawaii, aren't you? You're going straight in from Hawaii. I, I, no, I'm over a couple of days <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go straight from there and stay out till till that time. I mean, it's it, you know him coming back is brilliant, and, but I'm fascinated to see whether he gets hissed and booed when he comes back because the 10-80-10 uh, rule applies with Conor McGregor. Yeah, 10% always love him, 10% always hate him, and the 80% in the middle just swing depending on kind of public opinion. And I think if he looks brilliant against Cowboy Cerrone, we may well see him flying high again and having that kind of that sway over the UFC marketing machine to get him into the biggest fights possible. I think looking back on 2019, the growth and development of Bellator in, in the UK and Europe is, is brilliant for so many UK fighters. I think the emergence of Darren Till at a middleweight where he's found, his, he's found his division, brilliant performance by him over Calvin Gastelum um, uh, in, in, uh, in New York. Um, and the admittance, I think you might have interviewed him after, the admittance of the fact that he was fearful walking yeah. see it in him. I, I love the authenticity and honesty of fighters. And then the most authentic couple of guys we, we, we've seen in MMA for many years, Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal and, uh, and Nate Diaz going at it um, for the BMF belt in, in, earlier in the year was a brilliant piece of promotional work from... Um, from the fight league and I, I just thought that was a great event it's been another great year for mixed martial arts greater acceptance globally for the sports and again it's it, it deserves it it's fighters deserve it and, and onwards and upwards for MMA in, in 2020 as well superb as ever my man listen I'll let you get back to uh, hula in uh, on Honolulu alright mate take care enjoy the holiday season lovely and I will no doubt see you for our next big fight night, which, as you just mentioned there, will be Connor out in Las Vegas. That'll be some, that'll be some trip. Uh, do stick with us. Lots still to come here on uh, Fight Night. We've got an hour remaining of our end-of-year special, and I'll be telling you, my fighters of the year, fights of the year, we might even touch upon a knockout of the year as well. This is it! The time has come! Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. You're better than that! On Talk Sport, the home of boxing. 
Danua opens up again, sinks the left into the body. Danair thought about taking a second knee. Digs that right hand into the body. Remarkable, remarkable round. Oh, come the big shots. Ward's in a bit of trouble here. Still, oh, huge right hand. Trying to fight back. Conroy goes all out. Big shot to Progray. Big shots. Great finish here from Regis Progray. The American who started so well. And now look at the way he's trying to close the show. And dig so deep. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. It's our review of 2019. If you've missed any part of the show so far, it is available as a podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Get on the old download, uh, and therefore you'll be able to listen to this at your own leisure over the next couple of weeks as you dissect and and, and, and dilute everything that has happened in 2019. Time to get stuck into our favourite fights over the last 12 months. And we're throwing everything into the same pot, right? We're going to throw boxing in there. We're going to throw MMA in there because we cover everything on this particular show. And I've no doubt you've got your own opinions as well. Please interact with us on social media after listening to this show and let us know where maybe we miss something. Maybe we leave something out. We can only talk from a personal experience. But favourite fights of the year. Do you mm-hmm. have one stellar fight that uh, that sticks right out or is there a few that you kind of flip-flop in between? There's a few. There's three or four, I've got to be honest with you, um, because we talked on it then just before the break, but a new aid was absolutely just a standout moment. And once again, the World Boxing Super Series completely delivers. In that moment, they were the two best fighters in the world in that weight division, and they both bought their A game on that night. Mm-hmm. The other one, yeah, is exactly the same story. World Boxing Super Series Super Lightweight Final. The two best fighters in the world on that night both brought their A game. Josh Taylor versus Regis Progress. But is one more competitive than the other? Because I, I think there's a standout winner in one of those fights. The other one is debatable. Yeah. Taylor versus Progress is yeah. much closer. Don't get me wrong. I think we both agree who wins the fight, but the, I can yes. understand the reasoning as to why other people thought maybe Progress won that fight. Coming out of that fight, we were saying they've got to have a rematch. Yeah. Whereas we come out of Denier and Nui saying, well, Denier was amazing. But Inoue won the but fight. But what's next for Inoue? Yeah. Let's move Inoue forward. So I'll get what you're saying. So for that reason, then, are we going with... Taylor versus Progress well, uh, as the on. best this is, boxing. This, fight is, your, of the this year. is your moment, mate. You go on, go for it. And let's flip, let's flip a couple of MMA fights in there as well because well, you, you, you're normally quite niche. You you normally go for something like that nobody's seen. Like I watched this fight on YouTube and it was absolutely <laughs> outstanding. So I, I've done that this year. Okay, I've wow. picked some of them crazy fights that are only available on streams. Now, Hit if you me. remember, this is this is a year where a lot of people were consuming stuff via streams because MTK became quite a prominent force streaming a few fights on YouTube and what have you. And if you remember, Liam Conroy versus oh, Stephen Ward. Yes. Yeah? That were a little uh, YouTube stream, weren't it? One of the fights of the year, that, mate. Stephen Ward against Liam Conroy. It was. It was absolutely brilliant. In fact, I, I watched that fight back a couple of times. It's still available now on their YouTube channel as well. Mm. And uh, absolutely one of the most stellar moments. You know what? That could well tip the, uh, tip the momentum in their favour. Do you even reckon? No, even no. Some of the fights there we've just mentioned and some of the things that happened in the UFC were on much bigger stages, much bigger platforms. And I think mm. you've got to sometimes bear that in mind with fight of the year as well. The expectation behind it, you know, Conway yeah. Ward was streamed, on, good, was streamed on the internet in, in a small hall. We knew that Progress and Taylor had the potential of being amazing and then it lived For up. For that to actually deliver yeah. on that bigger stage is unreal. Likewise... Israel Adesanya fighting Kelvin Gastelum for the UFC middleweight championship. Uh, yeah. the, sorry, the interim middleweight belt. That fight, again, 
so much spotlight on it, so many eyeballs on it, and for those two guys to deliver the way they did and the fight to end three rounds to two in favour of Adesanya, if mm. he scored it that way, after the way they threw down was just absolutely phenomenal. I, I think sometimes it, the bigger the event, you've got to add a little bit of sauce on top for that too. Mm. Uh, there's a fight that I just want to point people towards, right? Because I know that this is super niche and I know that you probably haven't seen it. You've never even heard of the two guys that were involved in the fight, right? Robert Talarek, Patrick Shimansky. Just Google their names. I'll, I'll put it up on my social media. They're difficult to spell, but Google their names. They had a fight in, I think it was in April of this year. It lasts for five rounds. Let's play top trumps how many knockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it lasts for five rounds, this fight. How many do you reckon? How many times were, did either of these touch down? Was it about a dozen altogether? It was 10. Yeah. 10 knockdowns in five rounds. It's basically a, a poor man's version of Naz versus Boom Boom Johnson. <laughs> right? that's, that's what it is. Um, a potential for fight of the year, but as Nick was saying there, when you talk about the context of where these fights were, I think it was, I don't even think it was on British TV. I watched it on a, a YouTube stream from Russia or something. It was crazy like that. Um, and as we just mentioned, the Stephen Ward, Liam Conroy fight there. There was no real anticipation. There was no... No disrespect to them. There was no excitement going into that fight, but everybody throughout the course of the week, a couple of weeks before, we're talking about that World Boxing Super Series final between Taylor and Progress. Could it live up? Could it deliver? Uh, and it most certainly did. In, contrary, in, in contrast to that, actually, Inoue Denaire, I think it was all about how quickly Inoue was going to blow Denaire away. Yeah. And maybe that one lived up to our expectations of being one of the fights of the year because... You weren't expecting it. Because Denaire surprised us so... Supply, surprised us so much we didn't expect yeah. the way that it played out it come from nowhere yeah absolutely and I think for similar reasons the Adesanya versus Gastelum one in the UFC you know we knew Gastelum could do it in the trenches but we thought Adesanya who'd so far been this amazing freakish mm. show you know uh, stylistic striker um, really pushing boundaries and doing crazy things we expected that guy to turn up and instead he went to war with Calvin Gastelum the two of them stood toe to toe and sometimes I think the fight of the year is the ones that catch you by surprise it's the ones that you're not necessarily expecting and then suddenly wait a minute what the heck's just happened there those two guys have just had you know war and peace in the in the, in the ring or the cage we didn't expect that to happen so um, but it, listen we're, tr we're trying to push fights forward we're trying to promote other fights when hand on heart let's be honest Josh Taylor versus Regis Progress was the best fight I've seen this year. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. There you go. Um, if you disagree with us, you're more than welcome to get involved with the show. Maybe you've been on a little small haul trek. I think what we should do with this, actually, because we were lucky enough to obviously cover uh, the Taylor Progress fight. Um, and you might not have been in attendance for that. I've no doubt as a fight fan, you've watched it on the TV or listened to it on the radio, of course. Um, but you might have gone to a little small haul show. You might have gone to a fight that maybe we didn't necessarily cover. You might have seen something this year that has been an absolute banger. Uh, tweet us, get in contact with the show, at TalkSport, just ping us a little message there. You can get all over our personal social medias as well uh, and send us your suggestions for your fight of the year. And you can chuck in mixed martial arts in there as well. As uh, Nick pointed out, Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum is outstanding. If you're not necessarily a mixed martial arts fan, or maybe you are a mixed martial arts fan and your friends aren't, that's the type of fight that you go and say, yeah, you think it's rubbish, you're not into it, just watch these two lads for 25 minutes knock seven bells out of each other. It is absolutely outstanding. It's a wonderful way to start to to really get, not to understand, but to enjoy uh, 
the UFC and mixed martial arts in particular. Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum, who, by the way, Israel Adesanya has had a wonderful year and he might be coming up in conversation once again as we talk about fighters of the year. I've got, I'm stuck between two, you know, for fighter of the year. We're going to do it in a minute, but I'm stuck between two. One's a mixed martial artist, one's a boxer. I might just have to get two awards out. I might have to split it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's not how we work on this show. Listen, you're listening to Talk Sport. Do stick with us. This is our review of 2019. We're seeing that now it's real. Oh, oh, she's, she's, not after she's still got her down. She's nearly out of her feet. Now then, let's get stuck into the big one. Fighter of the Year. This is the review of 2019 on Fight Night. You're listening to Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me as always. Uh, and Fighters of the Year, there's so many names that you can chuck into this. So many names. Normally, there's that there's that stellar performance. Do you remember last year when we were having this conversation and both of us just looked at each other and went, Josh Warrington, good night, bye, and then we walked away. Yep. It was as simple as that because of his performances against Selby and Frampton. He stole the show. He was absolutely outstanding last year and he absolutely weed all over everybody's bonfire. This year, in the world of mixed martial arts and in the world of boxing, there's been a couple of guys that you can make legitimate arguments for. Where do you want to go with? Do you, would you want to start in MMA first? Let's, let's start with MMA, yeah. Go on then. Let's start with MMA. Because there's two for me that are absolutely obvious to talk about. Yeah, Israel Adesanya, of course, coming through. Um, the guy who I tipped as the best prospect in world MMA back there in 2018. I've had my Tia Lopez moment earlier on in the show and he just couldn't hold that back, could he? <laughs> he couldn't hold it back. He tipped Izzy Adesanya as the one to watch even before, before he, he came was in, in the UFC. UFC. Exactly. There you go. And now he's uh, he's absolutely lived up to the hype. He ends the year as UFC middleweight champion. He had phenomenal performance against Kelvin Gastelum in that war and peace fight. Don't forget he, Anderson Silva He ended well. Anderson Silva's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really his, his career in terms of being a, a marquee star big win over Gastelum for the interim belt then rolls into fight uh, Bobby Knuckles uh, Robert Whitaker in Australia in Australia versus New Zealand super fight um, the biggest attended fight in the history of the UFC and he absolutely delivered with a systematic beatdown stoppage performance wow we have a new superstar in the UFC, and his name's Israel Adesanya. We ended the year mm. in Las Vegas mm. of him, of you literally eating out of the palm of his hand in a, when yeah. you were interviewing him, and he just owned you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a superstar. He's got it all. Um, I, I always say fight sports comes in, in, in two categories. You've got to do it in the ring or the octagon. You've got to do it on the mic. Israel Adesanya, he, he, he exceeds expectation in, in both aspects of that. The other fighter that I want to just refer to in mixed martial arts is, of course, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal came into the year, as Nick said earlier on in the show, just as a guy that was a career lightweight. He was the king of the split decision. Some he won, some he lost. But he spent a lot of 2018 on a reality TV show. And I've been lucky enough to spend some time with Masvidal this year and, and get inside his head as to what has changed. He spent a lot of time out in the wilderness on these reality TV shows with other elite superstars, other elite sports people. Uh, and that their mentality has kind of rubbed off on him. And he entered this year... 
as a hand-picked opponent by Darren Till. Darren Till went, oh, yeah, I remember him from uh, the YouTube days of Kimball Slice backyard fighting. Let's get him in down to London because everybody knows who he is. He is a bit of a, a, a niche legend within the sport. He's not really a welterweight. I'll have a bit of a knock with him. He turns up in London and he flipped the script. Mm-hmm. Absolutely flipped the script. Knocked out Darren Till, moves into a fight with Ben Askren, creates the quickest ever knockout in UFC history with the flying knee and then sets up this BMF title shot with another legend of the game in Nate Diaz. And beat him up. Put a school on. Yeah. Put an absolute school on. That fight obviously stopped with cuts uh, at the end of the third round, but he was... He won every round. He, he absolutely smashed Nate Diaz to pieces. And for me, Israel Adesanya, I expected greatness from him. Jorge Masvidal at the start of the year, I had from? no idea that he we would be even talking about him right at this moment in time. Yeah, exactly. You know, we can we could we we sat here, we did sit here twelve months ago and we talked about what we were excited for for twenty twenty and Adesanya's name. We we talked we mentioned it many times. Yeah. But if either of us had said, I think Jorge Masvidal is going to go on the, a run, he's going to be the main man. You'd have thought he's been at the at welterweight as well. Exactly. You've you've been at the Christmas egg nog a little bit early. There's absolutely <laughs> no chance who the heck is Jorge Masvidal in 2019 because he was a nobody. He was a real. He was basically a sparring partner at ATT. He didn't look like he was. Well, he'd been out for be any opportunities. He hadn't time, fought he? for about a year. You know, he was he was he was a he was basically a gatekeeper to a to a top ten. And that's exactly why Till chose him, and it backfired. And talk about taking your opportunities when they come along, and then straight into the Askren fight on the back of it, sensational performance, and then suddenly he becomes the marked man, and yeah. that's why Nate Diaz bounced back himself, come back with a win. Everyone was expecting Nate Diaz to call out Conor McGregor, and instead Nate Diaz said, "No, no, no, forget that guy. I want to fight this Jorge Masvidal guy. Let's see who's the BMF." And hence the BMF belt was born, and yeah. we got one of the most incredible moments in New York at the end of the year. Do you add Amanda Nunes to Fighters of the Year in Mixed Martial Arts? Yeah, I think, listen, she's she's an icon. She's the, be- she's the best female fighter Mixed Martial Arts has ever seen. She only fought twice this year, and she ended the year with a very safety-faced yeah. points decision over Jermaine Durandamay. But well, the Holly Holm knockout was something. But the Holly Holm knockout was sensational. But I think when you're looking at what, Masvidal's done this year yeah, yeah. and what Adesanya's done this year to, to climb to the top of the mountain Masvidal to come from absolutely nowhere and have three fights and three sensational stoppages three knockouts you've got to look at Jorge Masvidal the best MMA fighter on the planet okay then let's sprinkle in some boxes because there's a lot of names in there for me on these shows none better than Josh Taylor yes his performances against Baranchik and Progres and to unify the division and be now the number one super lightweight on the planet. He's got to be in that conversation. Uh, and as I look around other British fighters, it's a bit of a struggle. I mean, there's an argument. I mean, people shout at me for this, but there's an argument for AJ because of the comeback, no. the resurrection. Listen, I don't think it is. I'm just trying to put other names in there because yeah. I actually think it's for British fighters. I think it's been a poor year. Yeah. On the world scene, you know. Don't get me wrong, we've been blessed with some great domestic dust-ups, the Fowler Fitzgerald fight and various others. But I think on the world scene, I think it's been a... We've had better years. It's been a frustrating year for Josh Warrington, who was our standout yeah. performer from 2018, because he just he still hasn't had that marquee name and we're still and waiting. And that's not his own fault. No, he, he's st- been trying. We're still waiting for that marquee name. It's been another pretty frustrating year for Callum Smith as well. Yeah. Again. It feels like his career's tread water in 2019. Yeah. Um, Obviously, AJ lost and then had to regain. Of course. And Tyson, you know, has been on a different journey in 2019 yeah. compared yeah. to where he was at the back end of 2018. So, so Josh Taylor... 
I just, mean, his performances, that's why they're so standout, because yes. nobody else has really competed with him from, from here. But to be fair, even if they had, they would have, they'd have put, they'd have been tough to compete with Josh Taylor of after course. the year he's had. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And as you say, he's got to be he's got to be mentioned in the same breaths, breath as Adesanya, as the same breath as Jorge Masvidal. I think going internationally, mm. of well, course... Well, you just heard from Gareth. Gareth thinks it's Canelo. And, yeah. And if you look at the resume, you can't argue really with it. I mean, I've obviously got my problems with Canelo because of Clem Buterol, but... If you look at the guys that he's beat and stepping up in weight and beating Kovalev, it's a shout, man. That was the big thing. And, you know, I, I think industry-wise, if he jumped up in weight and beat Baterbiev, I'd be a little bit more impressed. Again, timing's everything. A little bit more impressed. I'd be, ecstatic. A lot more I'd be impressed. like, what? It's a bit what? <laughs> what kind of beef was that? Um, but I think getting Kovalev at the time that he got Kovalev, straight after Anthony Yard, give Kovalev a, a, you know, a good fight as well, a real scrap. Um, I think timing was everything there. But Canelo went 2-0 and this year, of course, the Danny Jacobs performance as well. The best boxer on the planet, Lomachenko, went 2-0 and this year, unfortunately, two British scalps yeah. on, on his on his resume. Nothing there. Again, you're looking for those legacy-defining fights to really separate people. A new way became an international superstar this year. Two performances. Against one, world champions. One knockout, one incredible performance against the real gut check performance. So he's got to be kind of in the conversation for me the name that no one's mentioned is Emmanuel Navarrete the super bantamweight champion of the world four fights this year four knockouts how can you how can you not put him in at the at the very top of boxing's best honors list for 2019 he's the only guy He's the only world champion, sorry, yeah. that had four world title fights in 2019. I'm glad you've just cleared and that up. And won all four yeah. by knockouts. Yeah. He's the only guy to that do up. that. Because my boy Tiafema Lopez has had four fights, and he is also a world champion, but he's not a world, four world title fights. Fair enough. And he only stopped three. <laughs> only. He only stopped three. <laughs> Could you put Deontay Wilder in this conversation? Because he's had two world title defences, and he's knocked both of the dudes out yeah. with one-punch knockouts. Yeah. You've got to put Deontay Wilder in the mix as well. So, as you can tell, it's it's there's four or five guys on the world stage in boxing that you could you could argue have been the boxer of the year. I think Canelo's the easy choice because he jumped up two weight divisions, but for me, what Josh Taylor did surpasses that, and for me, what Emmanuel Navarrete did this year: four wins, four knockouts mm-hmm. against top contenders. For me, he's the best. My Best box of the year. Now I'll, I'll allow you to have Tio as as box as your box of the year. No, no, no. But the no. ultimate question is: Yeah, yeah. does Canelo, Tiafimo Lopez, Emmanuel Navarrete, or Josh Taylor in 2019 surpass what Jorge Masvidal did in the UFC? And no. I don't think they did. No, they don't. And I think where I'm at, because we put it all in the same pot, and everybody will have their own opinions on this. For me, the fighter of 2019 is Jorge Masvidal. Absolutely. Agreed? Completely. And that's no disrespect to anybody else that we've mentioned. We just wanted to give them all a little bit of a check there. But Masvidal, the trophy's in the post, sunshine. Absolutely sensational stuff. Um, Next, I think he might win this as well. Knockout of the year. (laughs) It's all coming up next here on TalkSport. What a 2019 we're having in heavyweight boxing. And there's nothing coming back from the right. Oh, massive overhand right, and down goes Antonio Moran, and he's not going to get up from this. Oh, what a big shot by Lopez! And Comey is at Spaghetti Legs here in round two. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. It's our review of 2019, and now it's on to the... I'm going to say second big one, because I think Fighter of the Year is the big one. That's the big one, yeah. But... 
Everybody loves a knockout. Everybody loves a finish. So here we go. Knockout of the year 2019. And there has been some absolute howitzers. Basically, just watch Deontay Wilder. He'll give you a ton of them. <laughs> uh, and then in the world of MMA as well, there's been some absolute barnstormers. Are you are you more of a fan of a head kick knockout in MMA or a straight one on the whiskers and out cold? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of something... A outside bit different. the box yeah. yeah so a spin and back fist oh or a funny you should mention knee, that <laughs> something like that are, are the ones really that get you excited because they're the they're the superhero type moves that mm. most mortal men and women could only dream of yet these guys in the top end of mixed martial arts routinely knock people out with they're the, they're the standout moments okay then spinning back fist uh ufc mexico steven peterson defending a spinning back fist with a spinning back fist yeah Listen, if you don't follow it, you've no idea what I'm talking about. Just do us a favour. Go to Google after this show. Type in Stephen Peterson, spinning back fist. Watch that knockout and tell me it's not knockout of the year. It is absolutely outrageous. It is outrageous. It's nearly as good as Yar Rodriguez against the Korean zombie this time last year with that up elbow thing that he yeah. did. That I still don't know how he's landed it. That was still the most bonkers up knockout I've ever seen. Potentially one of the knockouts of the decade. But there's been a few this year. But it, again... You've, you've got to look at the biggest stage. You've got to look at the biggest world title fights with the biggest audience and the biggest pay-per-view numbers for one punch, one strike knockouts, really, that stand off the page for me as well because there's certain moments, you know, there's that Masvidal versus Darren Till in London completely silencing the O2 with a single punch, yeah. leaving the guy knocked out cold for the very first time in his entire fight in life. There's... Deontay Wilder losing six rounds to Luis Ortiz. I'm down on every single scorecard. Seeming losing for the first time in his career. And then suddenly he just loads up and boom, good night. One single punch is all she wrote. For me, they're the moments. They're the ones. Mm. Another one. The flying knee. The flying knee. Why are we not mentioning the flying knee? We're saving it. (laughs) Another one for me as well. Not quite on the same level. But who can forget Sam Maxwell? basically being on the floor two, three times against Sidiri mm. and then going to the 10th round. He's losing on every card. Sidiri's goading him, dropping his hands by his waist, yeah. pulling tongues at him, you know, doing everything he can because he knows he's he's miles ahead on the judges' scorecards because he's dropped Sam Maxwell so many times. And then with 30 seconds to go, whatever it was, Maxwell just throws a right hand straight down the pipe. Boom. Good night. Knocked out. What a moment for him. And, you know, that really was the blue touch paper on Sam Maxwell's career. Mm. You're not talking about your boy, Devin Haney. Well, I mean, hey, you've talked about your mate from Liverpool, waiting, Sam Maxwell. I was waiting for you to bring Haney up. You've not dropped the Haney Moran knockout in. Oh, what was that, April, talk, was it? Go on, talk me through it. You talk me through it. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was throwing, I didn't even think he was trying to hit him. <laughs> it is a banger, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely unreal. Absolutely unbelievable. Basically, Moran's up against the ropes. He's getting outboxed. He's getting outskilled. But in fights like that, you can fighters can coast. Fighters can just cruise through rounds, outbox somebody, take no risk whatsoever, get a nice little decision. We actually saw Shakur Stevenson do something very similar to that in the undercard of Khan Crawford, didn't we? We were disappointed with him that night. Yeah. He showed a sensational technique, sensational boxing prowess, but he Cruise. didn't go for a finish. Mm. Yeah, he cruised all the way through cruised. it. Haney was cruising the fight, and then all of a sudden, he just thought, right, I'm having this guy out of here. He landed one right on the whiskers. Good night. Still not as good as Tiafimo Lopez against Magdalano in February. If everybody remembers that, he throws a left hook, 
The guy's knocked out on his feet and just for good measure, left hooks him again. Boom! Out you go, sunshine. Beautiful. And then, obviously, it comes up with a bit of a controversial celebration. Sensational knockout from Tiafimo. Our boys have had great knockouts this year. Yeah. My boys have more than yours, but you know what I mean? We're not picking and choosing, are we? You know what I mean? We'll chuck those in there. Um, as we mentioned, Deontay Wilder's knockout against Luis Ortiz is absolutely sensational. We we haven't mentioned the Probellum knockout against no. Ross Pearson, the yeah. overhead kick yeah. knockout that's in the world of mixed martial arts. Gallum. Sticking with that as well, Shevchenko's knockout of Jessica I, which is a head kick, uh, head kick knockout, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, an unbelievable head kick knockout against Jessica I. Mm-hmm. Absolutely starches her. Kevin Lee's knockout of Greg Gillespie oh, was uh... We were there. Ooh-wee. We were there in Madison Square Garden. That was an unbelievable knockout as well. But listen. We're skating around it, aren't we? When you're commentating <laughs> on Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren, all she wrote, mate. Oh, just write the check. Send it him. We've given him fighter of the year. We've got to give him knockout of the year as well, haven't we? Five seconds. The fastest knockout in the history of the UFC. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? You've, you've been burying your head in the sand because this guy, standing against the fence, arms behind his back, looked like he was just leaning against the lamppost. And then as soon as that bell went, he sprints full throttle across the octagon and as he gets to the middle of the ca- the middle of the cage he leaps through the air with a flying right knee and Ben Askren does his very best to kiss that knee mm. and before and, and the moment of impact he is absolutely out cold incredible mm. incredible moment what moment i mean you mentioned it earlier on and it might be that moment actually the Masvidal knockout of Till I don't think I've ever been in an arena and felt like that. The whole place just went quiet. Yeah. The whole place went quiet. Is it can you can you compare it to anything in the past that you've seen where someone's just been absolutely waxed in an upset like that? Because let's be honest, it was an upset. It was Till's night. It it reminded me of half time in Istanbul. <laughs> That's what it was like. <laughs> Sick to me stomach. How have you got it onto this? Tears in me eyes, thinking I'm going on. The world couldn't get any worse right now. This was not supposed to happen. I've worked so yeah, hard. Yeah, but you got to come here. back. Till ain't coming back from that. <laughs> he was out. But he did come back. He bounced yeah, back at the end of the year. year he did. With a big win against year. Gastelum and, and reinvented himself as a middleweight. So we did get the comeback. But yeah, at the time, that's one of those deep in the pit of your stomach moments where you think, my goodness, sport's painful. Sport can be tough. Mm. But for Masvidal, again, it was the beginning of what, for me, was the best before, best year of any fighter. I'll never forget that atmosphere. Being cage side for UFC London last March. And listen, Till had Masvidal going early doors. We had a wonderful walkout with the sweet Caroline. Yeah. Everybody was in great spirits, sensational spirits. Masvidal was reading a different script, though. And he lands that left hand and the whole arena just went, huh? Yeah. How did that? How did that compare with Joshua Ruiz? Was it the same scenario? No, because Joshua Ruiz was a beatdown. The Joshua Ruiz happened over a period of time. You you were you were in going. What am I watching? Yeah, that it was, one. It was hot. The Masvidal, it was hard to digest. Yes, the Masvidal was one a moment. Was just split like, second. Hang on a minute. What happened then? Yeah, everything just went wrong in the second, and yeah. there was no coming back. With with AJ, yeah, he got knocked down, but you thought, oh, he'll be all right in a minute. He'll be he'll be fine. He'll he'll get he'll get himself sorted in a minute. He'll take this little dude out. That's what you thought with the AJ thing. With Masvidal, he lands it. Darren, you getting up, and that was it. Yeah, that was the end of it. It was it took your breath away. And 
I didn't think I would see a better knock. That's how, as weird as it is. I didn't think I'd see a better knockout in that 12-month period. But we did. The same guy. The same <laughs> dude then went and drove a knee into the face of Ben Askren. And what made it better is that 24 hours later, his coach released him training the knee. Backstage. He was drilling that knee. He was practicing the knee straight from the moment the bell goes. Woof! Yep. Off we go, sunshine. I'm going to drill this knee right in, into his, in his face. In his dressing room, practicing running across the mat and throwing a knee at a, at a chest pad. Unbelievable! And it played out exactly how they planned it backstage. Mm. Phenomenal. Viral moments. That's what we're all about. Um, somebody actually messaged me earlier on in the week saying, "Lads, the knockout of the year is a new air versus Piano." Actually. It's a great knockout, but mm-hmm. it happened in November last year, December last year. Yep. I know technically it's still just within the remits of a 12-month period, but it has to have 2019 on it, mate. It has to have 2019 on it. To be fair, that Inoue Payano knockout of last year should have won last year's knockout of the year, to be fair. He only kissed him, didn't he? And poof, out cold sunshine. Anyway, are we concluding that Masvidal's the knockout of the year on Ben Askren? <laughs> You've got to. You've got to. Jorge Masvidal's double... I think he's that's the first time we've given a double award winner. Fighter of the year, knockout of the year. Um, it's just a shame that none of his opponents stuck around long enough for fight of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get one of them in uh, in 2020 from, uh, from Jorge Masvidal, which kind of leads us on nicely to the final section of the show. Um, predictions, hopes and dreams... We're looking forward to uh, a fantastic year next year in the world of fight sports. We want you to come on this journey with us. So we're going to make some mad predictions. Hopefully they all come true. Stick with us. It's all coming next on TalkSport. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. It's our end of year review and the show is nearly done. It will be available as a podcast for you so you can get stuck in and listen to our full look back at 2019, our awards that we've dished out for favourite fights, favourite fighters and knockouts of the year. But now this is the big one. This is where I come into my own. This is where I'm going to make you a few quid because this time last year, I told you that AJ at some point this year would lose his world title. I told you that Billy Joe Saunders would regain a world title and Josh Taylor would unify the super lightweight division. That's right, baby. I've got a mystic ball and I'm going to do it again for you right now. All right. Over the next 12 months, certain things are going to happen in the world of fight sports that you're going to hear first, hear right now. Nick's petrified. He's quaking in his boots, aren't you, son? Nope. Let's bring it on. Yeah? Bring it on. Okay, mate. Um, regarding hopes, dreams and aspirations of what you want for next year, not necessarily who you're saying, look out for this guy, look out for this guy. What do you want to happen in 2020? To be honest, more than anything, I want big world title fights to come back to the UK because I feel like we've been we, we've suffered at the hands of the zone mm. and the emergence of the zone over in the US let's be honest you know Eddie Hearn has been sensational for British boxing but over the last 12 months he's found himself dancing to the executive's yeah, tune he, he, he's been comp- he's, he's listen been... we saw that recently didn't we I mean Chavez Jr right look yes. at that whole oh. situation with Chavez Jr a couple of weeks back the why is he being given work? He's being given work off the back of his name because the zone are desperate for subscriptions in the United States of America. I mean, look what happened in that particular fight. The guy refused to have a drugs test. Yep. So Nevada wouldn't sanction him. So they so they pandered to Chavez Jr. and the need for his name by shifting it to Arizona. Yep. He then missed weight by what five or six pounds. He then came in with a crap haircut and then quit in the middle of the fight. 
Stop giving that spoiled brat work. All because the zone are desperate for subscriptions. Yeah. Like you say, the majority of work now is and focus from Matchroom is on that in America and on the zone. Fingers crossed. 2020, we start to see the shift back, come back to the UK. Yeah, because we've got the we've got the fighters, we've got the champions. You know, we've got Callum Smith again. We we mentioned the million in the show. His, his career is just literally treading water at the moment. If anything, we've kind of seen him go backwards. Um, I think Josh Warrington. Okay, he's not with the same promoter. I think Josh Warrington needs the big fights in 2020. That just did not deliver for him mm. in 2019. You know, does AJ does the AJ rehabilitation continue in 2020? In which case. Get him back to Wembley Stadium. Get him back to the Millennium Stadium. Let's see these big fights come back again. Let's see the commitment uh, from all promoters to keep that going. Because, listen, we had a good, for a good few years. We had three or four years there when world boxing mm. was on the UK. Yeah. And that shift now has 100% gone back to the US. I've never been to so many stadium fights during that period of time. It's crazy. Mm. And yet now... Over the last 12 months, me and you have spent more time in the US overseas than we have done in the previous five years, mm. purely and simply because the likes of The Zone, the likes of ESPN+, Plus, you know, the, the, the emergence of these streaming channels in the US, which want boxing, which want boxing content, mean that demand for boxing world title fights has shifted back over the Atlantic. Yeah. And it's people like Eddie Hearn, in particular, that can bring it back to the UK. I'll tell you what I want, similar to you, I want those world title fights. I want the best fight in the best. I feel like I'm in the exact same mindset as I was 12 months ago where I thought, right, we're on the cusp now. You've got a chance now. You've got a chance to put these great fights on. Um, Wilder, Fury, February. Yes. Let's that be the catalyst. Let's that be the moment. Let's, let's all the things that you've learned in the heavyweight division over the last 12 months just be the thing that wakes everybody up and says, right, let's stop messing about. Let's stop talking about splits. Let's stop talking about who's the A side, who's the B side. Just put the fight on. Yeah. There's a ton of money there for everybody. And if you do it good, if it's if everybody enjoys it, guess what? You get to do it again. So let's do Wilder Fury. If it's great, let's do Wilder Fury 3. And then guess what? Let's have the winner in against an AJ or something like that. Now, I know politics is going to get in the way of AJ at some point. He might have to relinquish a belt. He might have to take on his mandatory challenger in Pulev, first of all, for the IBF crown. But with him being champion again and regaining a little bit of that power, there's negotiation. People want to see him in with Wilder. People yes. want to see him in with Fury. Let's stop messing about now. Let's stop messing. How much more money do you need, lads? Yeah, You've just earned 80-odd million in, in the Middle East. Now, I don't think it's AJ's fault. I think AJ is starting to really push for these particular fights now. As I've said on many occasions, Fury, Wilder, AJ, they've all got big teams. They've all got big TV execs around them. Yeah. They've all got people wanting to eat off their plate. If you put these three lads in a room, they'll all want to fight each other. They'll all want to prove each other against the best. They need to push these fights forward now. They need to say to whoever's in charge of their worlds, lads, I don't care anymore. I want to fight that guy. Yeah. Let's get that fight on. And we've got to realise that fans don't care whether you're the A side or the B side. Don't give them monkeys. Fans just want to see the big fights. And the reason it jumped forward is because the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, wanted to give the fight the fact give the fans the fights that they wanted and that's why he jumped straight in with Deontay Wilder at the back end of 2018 and we got that fight. However, he now has 
done the, the Cardinals and he's gone down the same road as that. AJ's that stuck down and what Wilder's stuck down that he's got sponsors and TV executives and so many people invested in him that are steering his journey. Listen, this year you're going to do this, this and this, a little bit of wrestling, do this, do that, we'll make you even bigger star, you'll and even more money. And then those fights will always be there down the line. But they're, they're not interested in that. They're cheating the fans out of what could be a great era of mm. heavyweight boxing. Mm. Right now, we've got at least three guys, potentially a pool of five or six guys, that can all beat each other. So round robin it. It hasn't got to be. It's not a one. It hasn't got to be a one fight and you're done scenario anyway. As uh, Wilder versus Fury rivalry has proven that we're, we're led to believe they're going to fight each other twice in 2020, which is fantastic. <laughs> Now what AJ needs is a similar rivalry. So that's why I can see at the moment the WBO and the IBF are both pulling AJ in two directions. I think AJ giving up the WBO and allowing Alexander Usyk to go and fight for that belt and potentially win that belt, another matchroom stable fighter, would allow him to go and defend the IBF against Pulev and then he's got a real rival, another heavyweight fighter that he can fight and then he fights Usyk. Mm. Maybe at the back end of 2020 and then you've got almost got two semi-final scenarios there against what... Usyk, if we're led to believe from his performances at Cruiserweight, is probably the fourth best heavyweight in the world. You've got the top four guys now in this little miniature tournament. And you're right, they just need to put their foot down and say, listen, I don't care what TV channel I'm attached to, what promoter I'm attached to, you've just got to make this fight. Because ultimately, Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson, they just had enough and he went, right, make it. And in the end, they made it. And if that fight can happen, any fight can happen. Right, my first mad prediction. Because we're talking heavyweights... My first mad prediction for next year is in the heavyweight division. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. On at least two occasions next year, the ring announcer will say, I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world. Twice. On at least two occasions. I was tempted to go three. Go three. Do you want me to go out there? Go three. On at least two occasions, (laughs) the ring announcer will say, I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world. Wow. All right. Do you want my heavyweight prediction? Go on. My heavyweight prediction is the best heavyweight on the planet, Tyson Fury, will lose his undefeated record in 2020. That's where I'm going. Look at that, eh? You've bought into the equaliser of Deontay Wilder's right hand, haven't you? That's what you bought into. (laughs) Good. I like that. No, that's nice. One of us has to be right. Yeah. Someone's getting some bragging rights at the end of February, let me tell yeah. you. Um, nice. Nice prediction. Um, regarding the, the big fights, you want to see, especially in the welterweight division, I want to see Terence Crawford be fighting the yeah. likes of an Errol Spence. I can't see it. Let's not have the Kel Brook-Amir Khan conversation no. again, please. Let's not have Kel Brook-Amir Khan at all. Let's not even... That might happen. That might be a mad prediction, you know, for 2020. That fight might eventually happen. I think I think Khan Pacquiao in the Middle East will definitely happen in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, just with the Middle East warming to that to this market in such a big way, and I think Pacquiao and and Amir Khan are huge fan favourites over there, and I think Pacquiao mm. would take Khan as a as a voluntary. So, mm. okay, um, along with my uh, at least and the new to be heard in the heavyweight division on two separate occasions, Carl Frampton will hear and the new next year. Yeah, in Belfast. Please, I, I would think so. Oh, Therefore, creating history, becoming the first man to be a three-weight world champion from uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Absolutely outstanding. What a sensational career uh, that would 
bit just the cherry on top of a sensational career for him. So that's my second one. Carl Frampton will be a world champion once again uh, in 2020. Final one. A British fighter... Sorry, just dropped my phone. A British fighter will finally face Canelo. <laughs> and I'll tell you who it's going to be. Okay, I was just going to say, can you be a bit more specific? There's about six of them at the moment. Right then, all right then. It will not be a current world champion. So it won't, so it won't be, be Billy Joe. And it won't be Callum Smith. It won't Smith. be Callum Smith. It'll be Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That sounds like a... That is my prediction. I think they will make Eubank Jr. Canelo at some point next year. Yeah. Before you see Callum Smith or Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah. I think we'll see Callum Smith in a big unification fight in 2020. I think it demands it. Probably a Benavidez. Up. Yeah. He'll, he'll end up going to the US and the fight will happen over there. And you could see another world title fight going to that Smith family as well because I think Liam Smith um, kept his campaign for a world title fight back on track mm. with a win just before Christmas, didn't he? So mm. he's, uh, he's, he's definitely in the frame for a world title fight. So um, I'd definitely like to see that happen in 2020. Go on. Any any mad predictions? I've got. I've given you my three. I think Josh Warrington will unify the featherweight division. Yeah. In the in the in, against Kanju or against Stevenson. I think both. I think he'll fight them both this year in 2020. Woo! WBA think, regular and a WBO belt. I think we'll get Josh Gunning Warrington down Gary, Gary Russell as, for the year after. Maybe. I think we'll see him crowned as the best featherweight on the planet officially. Numerous belts around his waist, and then maybe at the end of the year, Josh decides to. I've finished. I've completed the game here now. I'll move up to super featherweight. There you go. You heard that. He said that Josh Warrington, he's got one at the moment. He's finishing the year with three. Three. Whew. Sweet baby Jesus and the orphans. Right, come on. Final piece of the show. Ones to watch. This is where we make our money, sunshine. <laughs> this is where we make our money. Last year, we went Devin Haney and Tiafimo Lopez. We didn't let the people down. No. We didn't let the people down. Both of them have, have kind of have word titles if you count Devin Haney. But yes, go on. We went. Uh, we both went to the same division last year. Mm. We, we have a tendency to do this. Yeah, yeah. What division are you going for this year? Super middle. Oh no. No. I'm not in the super middleweight division. Middle super middle me. Middle super middle. Go on. What have you got? I've gone for a, a, a super featherweight, a southpaw from Russia, Sheer Khan. He's got a record of fifteen and zero with twelve knockouts. Oh, nice. Full name. I'll have a go. Yeah, go on. I'll have a stab at this. Shavtalatkov. Yeah. Rachimov. There you go. AKA Sheer Khan. With that accent, he could have said any fighter in the world there. So therefore, <laughs> whoever's, whoever's been really good over the next 12 months, he's just going to blag that that's what he said. This kid <laughs> is absolutely mustard. His, mm. uh, his amateur credentials are unreal. Uh, as a pro, as I say, undefeated in 15, 12 knockouts, known as Sheer Khan. Mm. Remember the name, 25 year old from Russia. South Pole with everything. He will become a world champion okay. in 2020. You're at Super Feather. Okay. Now, I was going to, and this is kind of cheating because we've spoken about him on many occasions. Virgil Ortiz is the name, right? Yes. I can't have that because no. that's cheating. Yeah. Because we've spoken about him before. A lot. The, 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 <laughs> cheating a lot. Uh, the rules and regulations of mine and Nick's p- predictions has got to be someone that we've never spoke about on the show before. And they can't be a current champion either. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, listen, Ortiz... Check him out, Virgil Ortiz, anywhere. Just check him out because he's knocking dudes out for fun. He will have a wonderful 2020. Yes, he will. Right? There you go. Here's my guy. You ready? Let's go. Edgar Belanger. Right? Edgar Belanger. He's had 13 fights. He's 22 years of age. He's had 13 fights. Are you ready for this, Nick? Yep. 13 knockouts. 
13 first round knockouts. Wow. He has starched every single one of his opponents. Edgar Balanga. Edgar Balanga. New York native. Hopefully, if we get over to New York at some point next year, we'll have a little bit of a chinwag with him. He's got a bit of personality about him. I don't think he's up there with the standards of a Tia female personality, but he's got the personality. He's got a bit of chat about him. Uh, and as I said, he has got rockets in his hands. He's absolutely touching people and they're going over. Exciting, exciting guy. Edgar Belanger. Keep an eye on him. Mm. How old is he? 22. 22-year-old. 22, oh. 13 fights, 13 knockouts, all coming in the first round. Wow. Thank I've you. needed the likes. Listen, that's what I'm here for, mate. I'm here to... a, f- a few years ago, I tipped a fighter called Kermit Sinsone, who had a very similar record to that. Yeah. Very similar record. But once he got to world title class, he got found out. But I'm listen, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Edgar, but he's only in six rounders at the moment. It's just... Keep a cap on them. There you go. Keep an eye on that. Um, Thank you very much for listening. If you've missed any part of this, because we have reviewed the whole year and made some mad predictions for next year, uh, you can get it on a podcast. So subscribe to Fight Night. It's on iTunes and the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. Get all over it. We are the most listened to podcast here on TalkSport. We know that. And we appreciate your love for doing that. But keep the subscriptions going. Tell your friends about it. This is the place that you want to come to for all the biggest names in the world of boxing. We look forward to 2020 and bringing you some sensational uh, fight news. And we kick off the year with the return of the Mac. That's how we should finish the show. Oh. Producer Ed, make sure you've got a bit of Mark Morrison on to finish us off. The return of Conor McGregor is coming up in two weeks. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.